Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Smashbox TV's podcast 464. I Craig Miller, come- along with Johnny. Couldn't come up with anything clever for 464. I know, it's... 414 being our area code mm-hmm. and also featured in a <laughs> uh, who who's the uh, I don't believe I can't the name is escaping me the rapper he's got uh, various gardening tools in different area codes oh <laughs> and he mentioned ludicrous yeah it might have been ludicrous yeah he's mm-hmm. 414 is <laughs> one he mentions Maybe there's a 464 as well I don't know either way on that song. we're here for it so welcome in everyone Johnny I think the world is elated to see you since last week you <laughs> proclaimed that you wouldn't be here. And now, now the internet can finally, after <laughs> finally something can find peace here for us today in the world of disc golf. Are you You're saying the that podcast. the internet is celebrating my 94 year old grandmother's death? I'm not suggesting that <laughs> uh, at all, uh, but yes. uh, the, the world is happy. Which is why I am here. Unfortunately, I got news this past weekend that my 94-year-old grandmother passed away. Uh, I got to visit her last weekend. Uh, I went up to Appleton. She she contracted pneumonia. And Mm. when you're 94, that's usually not a great prognosis. Um, So she was great, I guess, literally up until her her last day when they just eventually, you know, when they do the whole morphine thing and everyone just goes, goes to sleep happy. Um, surrounded by family, 94 is a phenomenal life to lead, you know, and, uh, it was time. So she was, uh, she was surrounded by friends and family. So it was really good, but that means tomorrow I'll be heading up to Appleton bright and early for, um, a bunch of family celebrations. And I did not get to go to Pensacola, but, uh, you know what? There's Pensacola will be in my future at some point. I'm sure it'll always be there. And, it'll be and there. Johnny forever. V will be all up in it at some point. Oh, you know, so, I will. Uh, Pensacola, you are not safe. Johnny V <laughs> will still visit at some point someday. And who's going to be visiting us in just a few moments? You ask? Yes, of course. Our first time PDGA major winner in Coriolis. We're going to talk to him in a moment. And then we're also going to, like I said, in the Instagrams, we're going to keep it international tonight. We've got Dennis Graffard. He's going to be joining us. He's talking about an event taking place just before the USDGC. It sounds like it's going to be a huge B tier up in British Columbia, up in Canada. And uh, they've got a ton of money added. So uh, we're going to spread some love around and talk about everything going on, like I said, at an international level. So without further ado, 
the man of the weekend, none other than our champion, Corey Ellis. Corey, welcome in. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, guys. How are you? We're not as good as you. Uh, let's, let's, <laughs> let's, that's obvious. But first of all, it's been a little more than 48 hours. Congratulations to you. What, what, ha- what feelings have finally sunk in? After that long plane ride, after all the elation, the the jet lag, the turbulence, everything, what feelings have sunk in? Uh, just, I'm proud to call myself a major champion and to be in the history books forever and to have my name on that trophy with some of the greatest players to ever play the game is an honor. Every, everyone has said this, and this is not a secret to you or to the rest of the disc golf community. And I think this sentiment is shared with the likes of a of a Kelvin Heimberg. It wasn't a matter of if you'll get a major. It's really just a matter of when. And last year, in a pair of very close events, heartbreaking events, uh, we saw you come up just short at D-Glow almost, almost a year ago to the day. And uh, to today, anyway, and then of course at you know Maple Hill, Simon Lazat had you know different plans and uh, and held you off. How sweet does it feel now? And do those previous scenarios matter? Have, have you looked at those? I mean, there's a, there's memes out there, and there's <laughs> there's things like the, with the what is it com- contrasting pictures that we happen to have of you in the scoring shed versus you celebrating with the trophy. Well, let's be honest. I kind of handed it to to Simon. Okay. I mean, could <laughs> those you, are your words. Yeah. Okay. Take anything away from Simon, though. He he did play fantastic that last round. I was gonna say some but, people could say Anthony handed it to you. That's well. That's also true. But and you, you played know, very well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I mean, it, it's just the way the the cookies mm-hmm. crumble. Sometimes you know, it's it's just the way they go. You know, it's. Things happen for a reason, and I feel like I, you know, had to go through those losses to be able to handle the pressure situation to come away with this win. And to be fair, nobody hands anybody a championship like this. You have to put yourself in that position. We all know that if you go back, there are probably 10 to 12 shots through the entire weekend that you could look back on and be like, man, did I miss an opportunity there? Um, well, we, I can think of three putts that cost me four strokes for sure. <laughs> okay, were they good putts that maybe didn't stick? <laughs> uh, yeah, they you know off the center pole and straight back out. You know, you so, have the worst. Uh, on a side note, you have the worst basket luck, maybe in the uh, the entire tour. You, the iconic Beaver State fling moment where your 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 disc hits the one missing weld and scoots through. And everybody's there. Hi, kitty cat. Everybody's there in uh, disbelief. Like you seem to. Are you are you a, are you a magnet for those? <laughs> What's going on? I honestly seem to have the worst luck when it comes to the to disc golf. Like I'm not. A lot of people can say that, but whenever they say that, I'm like, hey, remember, I'm the guy who had the disc fall through the basket. <laughs> so, I'm like, uh, I, <laughs> now. We had Joe Revere just a week ago. So, you know, this will already a little tangent here, but we had Joe Revere just a week ago talk about 
putting and baskets and 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 this is to of course no rip on any given company or basket uh in, in any capacity however the conversation then led to well is it style is it speed is it uh, the basket itself? Is it the gauge of chain and the coating on the chain? There's a million factors. And then we have, you know, a couple hundred different PDGA approved baskets. So when you look back and you, whether it's a reflection or even a, a, an annoyance that given night on a given night, what, what are you thinking about when a, a putt that you feel like maybe is good doesn't stay in? What, how do, how do you process that? Uh, you, I used to get upset about it, but now it's like, there's nothing you can do about it. It's already out. Like why there's no reason to get upset about it when you can't control it. You know what I mean? Like you, you threw the putt as good as you could It hit the center and it came out, you know, yeah. just so, keep doing that and they're going to stay. Yeah. Yeah. More are going to stick than not. We all know that. <laughs> Have you ever, second guessed any of your own strategy in terms of the angle, the speed, do you second guess any of that or, or is it just like you said, the mentality of just keep throwing at it? Well, I am one to adjust my speed for the distance of the putt, like typically shorter putt. I don't putt quite as hard, but that being said, when it's windy, like it was on hole two of the last round, it was a, pretty strong headwind you got to spin them in there i mean mm-hmm. you just and just you know i hit the center and it didn't go in it's just what it is what it is but like rick sometimes he'll, he'll say i'm the softest putter on tour but everyone knows you know he him and gannon probably put the hardest so <laughs> yeah, it, slams them in the chain yeah that's hard to, that's a that's a hard thing to here coming from Ricky Wysocki, like, Oh, you put really soft. Like, no, Rick, maybe you just put really hard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so going back on the, the experience, I guess if we backtrack even more, you show up in Europe and just kind of walk us through some of your emotions about, you know, whether it's representing the U S representing you yourself, uh, the, your sponsors walk us through kind of the arrival to Europe in the first place? Well, let's start before we get to Europe. Mm-hmm. So we show up to New York and I've never part left my car at an airport or parked like long time parking. I haven't, I didn't expect it to cost as much as it did. <laughs> and, um, uh, they it ended up charging us twice for that. Like, because we adjusted our time to go a little bit earlier so I, that was like a headache to figure out and then wait for that money to come back. And uh, Europe's expensive, man. You know, I'm not Paul Macbeth or Ricky. You know, I don't have millions of dollars in the bank. And, you know, I almost didn't even get to go to this tournament because I wasn't sure I was going to be able to afford the trip because, you know, it's renting a car. It's finding a place to stay. It's affording the food while you're there. It's gas is basically $8 a gallon there. And it's just, you know, it's a, it's a lot. And to see as many people from the U.S. go over there is incredible. There was 42, I think, U.S. players, maybe more. But that, I remember I counted and I was like, that's, that's almost half the field. That's like four times as many U.S. competitors as there's ever been in that tournament. 
And like that just says like how far the sport has come in the past few years that people are able to do that. It's, it's incredible. Now, now but, with all of that, I'll, I'll, I have to just quickly follow up and say, it's awesome. We're seeing that you've won. You're going to likely return every single opportunity. You ever have a chance. Do, do you understand how some may say, I'm still just not here yet. I mean, you yourself were just contemplating the expense of it. Can you understand how others maybe might be like, ah, that was a cool experience, but I'm just, I'm just not there financially. Could you see how that Uh, might happen or no? Absolutely. I mean, let's be honest, you know, it, it, it probably costs, you know, three to four grand to go. And, you know, if you look at how much I, you know, I'm probably one of the, the few people that, made money there mm-hmm. you know what i mean like but the top five people probably actually not even that made money and it's like how can like if you can afford the experience you know if your sponsors are going to help pay for that you know pay pay to get you over there then by all means make it happen you know but if you're paying out of pocket for that like good luck if you're scrambling you know on tour to cash, you know, it's, 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 it's not, you know, it's the pressure of the moment that you're there, you know, all that, the atmosphere is just incredible. You know, it's the, it's the only place I've ever been on hole one and got chills just like at USCGC. That's the only other place. It It's kind of amazing when you talk about that, because we think of, all these players that are on the top level of their team, no matter regardless of who your manufacturer is. And I think there's just kind of a thought that like, Oh, these top guys, no worries for them. They're all taken care of. They've got their tour series discs. They're, you know, they're easy. They're, they're able to travel wherever. Are you kind of saying that that's really not the case, that it is still kind of a grind for even the top level players? I mean, it, it depends on your situation. You know, I mean, I still have an apartment and two cars, you know, and, you know, just people have bills, you know, it's life. It just depends on what you have, you know, going on in your life. So I can't, I can't speak for everybody, you know, but I I can tell you for me, you know, it's just me. It's just my income. You know, Molly doesn't work now. And, you know, that's, that has been my dream is to, you know, have her just come with me for in this year I've, I've made it a reality. And now it, as it looks like now it's going to be like that for a while. Even after uh, that high five, she's going to want to travel with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is she okay? I mean, that's, that, that was quite a, yeah. <laughs> it was, I was just so pumped and uh, it just, it just kind of happened. Yeah. I, I don't think yeah. anyone in the world like second guesses no. that it did happen, but instantly everyone's like, Oh no, let's hope that her hand is all right. And uh, you know, ho- hopefully cashing the check will that be that much easier. Even if her hand is injured, if she can help you or do- it cash just, or deposit it. It was just the best, the way you were so excited, turn around, <laughs> gave her a high five. And I'm sure you've seen the clip where she just looks at her hand and goes, Ow! <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> uh, what, what a great moment. Honestly, just that whole 16 in general, what an exciting hole to be near the end. Do you, you've, you've laid up on it. You've gone for it in general. Do you like that hole? Do you think it's a quality hole? I know I've heard some people say, yeah, it's, there's OB. There should probably be a drop zone. Maybe we shouldn't keep throwing things like that. What are your thoughts on that? Well, 
I, I like the whole because I like the idea of the bunker rule that they put into effect because um, I feel like that should be used more rather than, uh, well, it's, it's hard to say. Like, I, I don't like stroke and distance, but I like this just rethrow, you know, no, no added stroke because uh, I feel like that would be better at, um, for example, hole 12 at USCGC. I think that would make that hole better and, you know, not feel so impossible to stick that you would see people going for that second shot more. And uh, the, the hole itself is good though, to answer your question. I think so. I I believe Brian asked it in the post round interview, but even more so now, again, I know things sink in and you've processed probably some more. You've seen replays, you've heard analysts, you've heard talking heads, whether it's a podcast or, or just every, you know, every single person that has, uh, you know, can type on the internet. When you look at 16 and the way that it played out, did, could you ever envision, I know you just explained it, but could you have ever envisioned that crazy of a scenario with AB specifically? I mean, the guy that uh, you needed to catch or, or to, to get past, I should say. I mean, I never wish bad on anyone. You know, AB is my friend and I felt horrible for him to even have to be in that situation and just continue to throw until he got on the green. Um, I, I'm not one to call, you know, what I think he should have done uh, in that position because, you know, I, anything could have happened, you know, after the, you know, we still had two holes to play and things could have turned out differently on 18. You know, that, that second shot when you, when you're down there and you're going for that green is not easy, especially, you know, you have 4,000 people watching you and I don't know. I think that, uh, maybe he could have laid up after he threw it once out. I know actually I talked to Calvin, um, the round before we played together and he said that we both agreed. We're like, if we miss it once, then we lay up. That was me and Calvin, both of our plans. Like no matter what we, if we go for it for birdie and we miss it, we lay up. That's, that's just me. And I know from him personally, I don't know. I, I put a lot of thought into that particular hole of what AB situation is and being the fourth round. Personally, I think you have to make the decision on the first throw in the fourth round where he was at. You either go for it or you lose the tournament. Because for me personally, like you throw it and miss, you lay up, you throw it. Obviously, as you know, that second shot, that set, well, the second attempt to the island, that's not a guarantee. Like, you could miss that. Most of these guys are probably not missing it, but I, I, I don't know. I think at that point, he's down a stroke, and you could argue live to fight another day, but I think it, once you make that determination for the fourth round only, I'm saying the other rounds, I'm, well, you know, you and I are laying up, Terry, but <laughs> in general, like, that's tough. That's a tough decision. The, the round one I played, uh, my original plan in practice and everything was to go for the green every time and try to get a birdie. And my drive went long and I went OB and I had to re-tee. I landed inbounds and then I threw a shot and it landed on the green and barely scooted onto the gravel path OB. 
And then I just laid up and I took a double bogey. And after that, I was like, I'm laying up that hole for the rest of the tournament until the last round. If I have to go for it, I will go for it. And that that's what ended up happening. And, and you felt like you had to go for it there. Yeah, that was going to be my, my question. Because, I mean, because you were at that point, you were ahead of Kyle by one stroke. And right. But Kyle had just stuck it. Yes. Kyle had just stuck the island. So it, it would have been a tie, assuming you laid it up and made the island then. Okay. Yes. The, the more amazing shot, though, was 17. Honestly, in my opinion, you, both those shots that you shot on, that you threw on 16, I think those are relatively, quote unquote, routine shots. It's a hyzer. It's a hyzer. You, you executed them. It's a high level of pressure. But 17 isn't just a, a, a hyzer. That is a pinpoint accurate buzz to within 15 feet. That is such a touchy shot. Yeah, walk us through that it. Is, that is... um like, I feel like my bread and butter buzz shot, like a hyzer flip, let it turn a little and come back. And I threw that shot a lot in practice. I only practiced a buzz shot on that, on that in practice. I got five rounds in and probably threw two buzzes at it every single time. So 10 shots on the hole before the tournament even started. And and then in when warmups, I was particularly throwing the same shot over and over again on that. Um, every single time before practice and just trying to dial in the right amount of hyzer flip on it. And if, even even in my video I posted before the tournament started, I, I posted me throwing that exact shot up and, and then executing it in that situation like was in, incredible. It just real, felt amazing. Real quick, just the buzz that you threw, anything special or is it a stock buzz? What What kind of buzz is that? That is a glow buzz that I um, had team stamped in 2018 when I first joined the team. And it's been in my bag ever since. I lost it for like a couple months at a local place here in West Virginia. And then uh, they actually mailed it to me in uh, in Waco. And I got it back and put it right in my bag. And <laughs> it's it's still pretty stable for considering it's been five years now that that disc has been in my bag. And you didn't know what was being done with it for a few months. Yeah, I mean, that's... <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was just sitting in the woods somewhere. <laughs> home home but, now uh, where it belongs in the bag. So my, my follow-up to that would be specifically, what condition or scenario would it take <clears throat> for you not to be throwing some kind of buzz on that hole, whether, you know, again, wind or, or score-wise, whatever? Is there anything that changes your mind from that play? No, I'm And if so, what is it? No, I'm throwing that shot every time. Okay. Yeah. Because the the if my miss is it's going to turn too much. I'm not the, the buzz is is kind of understable so it's going to turn. I know it's going to turn. It's not it, I never hyzered out of bounds with that buzz in practice or anything. And, it's a man who knows his discs. Uh, well, and 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 this is only why I ask is I think there's a ripping headwind it's coming at you 15 miles an hour straight into a headwind. Uh, you know, are you beefing up a buzz or are you then going to some kind of slightly more stable, would, you know, fair way? Just throw a more, a slightly more stable buzz. Okay. All right. All right. So that, that is yeah. definitely well, the point. Mean, I like the mid range. Because, uh, because if there's a 15 mile hour headwind, I throw a more stable buzz and it doesn't make it up there. And then I just lay up and take a three. Sure. If I okay. throw a fairway and I barely juice it too much, it's going to be. 
How are you? So you all this intensity of whole sixteen. We get it. I mean, the the world has their is you know everyone's mouth or jaws on the ground. They watch what just happened to AB. They saw how you answer. Kyle's obviously still right there. The walk over to seventeen to then still like you just said throw some some pretty high level shots as you're walking over to seventeen. What in the world is going through your mind as you're making that walk from sixteen's green to seventeen's bass or to seventeen's tee? I was in like another place like i remember from once i walked up the hill to hole 15 and i threw that shot i was in like almost like a trance like a like a like i was a robot like my body just kind of took over and it was just happening so it wasn't a whole lot of thinking going on that I can remember. Uh, I remember I wasn't worried about anything, but just sticking to my game plan. I wasn't changing anything. Uh, Once I decided I was going to throw on the island, I told myself, you've thrown the shot a million times. There's there's no difference. You can do it again with your buzz. Um, I bush noted it was 280 feet. And I was like, or I'm sorry, with your zone. I threw a zone on the upshot. Um, and um, the same thing on 18, my whole plan was to throw a turnover zone and flex it in bounds because it, it stays in the fairway the whole time. Because a lot of people were throwing like a flat to hyzer shot up the right side and then I get hyzer back inbounds. And I just really liked throwing something that started inbounds and then would go out of bounds later if it did. Okay. Yeah, we saw a lot of people on 18, if they pulled that a little too far right on that backhand or caught one of the trees hyzering in for some reason, you're taking it back relatively far, and then you're shooting for, we'll say, the you know the middle of the second shot on the way up. Very few people can probably make that from where, they're, where they would go OB to the green, with the exception of Eagle, I think, tried it. AB could probably do that. AB yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Very few people can make that probably make that shot look easy like they can. So, what a what an amazing what an amazing uh, event. How how are you when it comes to uh, you know we, we think about this the story and uh, you know the drama and of course that's what the fans want. Every every golfer would say, well, you know, yeah, you know, I, I, I love entertaining, but I'd love to win by five, not by you know one or two. But how are you when you when you think about the way the event unfolded, especially the last three holes, and just what it sets up for disc golf, what it sets up for the European Open, the legacy, the major, you know, the 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 story behind you and the win. Does does that get you excited or or not? Like what what a yeah? How does that make you feel? Uh, it just makes me want to do it again. I I just, I, you know, it's kind of like the doors open, you know, the monkeys off my back. People have been saying, you know, I got the win and that doesn't mean I'm, you know, still not hungry. You know, I'm starving over here. So you, you don't, you don't have an elite series yet. Come on, pal. Let's get on (laughs) it. I mean, you skip that level or silver, right? You don't have a silver either. No. Who needs those? This man don't need no silver. Said he's hungry. 
Okay, okay. He's, he's got he's got major. He's got MVP to revenge. He's got at least one shot. I think he wants to try again. <laughs> uh, um, well, two. Okay, well, at least at least D Glow and yeah, yeah and, for sure, exactly. Uh, back to back there. Uh, in that you sense, you can throw a world in there. I wouldn't be upset either. Yeah. What what does it say? <laughs> you know, one of the the you know certainly again one of the the storylines within disc golf is that now we have three first-time major winners over the last three majors, Isaac, or Gannon, Isaac, and you. You've been playing disc golf a long time. What does that say about where disc golf is right now? Uh, I, I think it says about the competition, you know, is fierce, to say the least. Like, anybody, it's, it could be anybody's game out there. You know, it's it's hard to be consistent. and. You know, I I shot fifty five holes bogey free to to win that tournament. You know, and like I've never done that. I don't think like any tournament I've ever done. I've ever shot bogey free like that. Um, and it's just like that's the level of consistency. You you can't bogey. Like bogeys are like double bogeys now. You know, <laughs> like you get a par and it's and it's and it's you're like. Mm-hmm. Well, I gave a stroke to somebody, you know, so every, everybody can birdie every hole almost. How much of your win? With the exception of like, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, Ledgestone. Yeah. Hole 12, uh, <laughs> yeah. Northwood black. Hole yeah, 12. Pretty rare. Yeah. <laughs> um, how much of your victory do you chalk up to your lack of OBs this past week? Cause you had two OBs all weekend. And I believe I heard the, in the, the next, top 10, the next closest was like nine. I yeah, believe. or something like that. You destroyed everybody in the OB category. Uh, that that was definitely huge. Um, I remember the one time I did, one of the times I threw OB. Okay, so the one time I actually threw OB, I, I got a birdie. The other time was a spit out on 17, and it landed and then rolled out of bounds. So yeah, okay. I didn't really throw that one out of bounds. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, the, the end result that, was an OB, but it didn't feel like you threw it there or deserved it. That definitely <laughs> is what did it, I would mm-hmm. think. You know, that that made up for the putts that spit out was not throwing OB. So much talk about, of course, the, the gallery and the crowd. Uh, so we'll go there in a moment. But before we even get there, the course if you haven't been there and maybe you don't recognize it on TV as much, you get done with a few of these holes and you have a very lengthy walk to get to another hole. Again, the magic of TV and live can help uh, mask some of that. But when I was there last year, you know, you're, you're really segregated through these pockets of holes all around this property in the middle of a city. Does that matter to you? Does that, is that add or take away from the event in any way? Um, and then maybe um, talk about the holes themselves. I mean, I wouldn't say it takes away from the event. Um, as a, you know, one, I would like to design courses in the future. Hmm. I, uh, I know from, uh, Johnny Sias, he would, I can hear him talking as I was playing my practice rounds about how he would not like the flow of the walks <laughs> in between holes. And that's, uh, just from what I've kind of learned from from him and course design is it's got to flow well and you got to you know he he yeah it's just 
I, I wouldn't say it takes away from the the tournament. Uh, the holes themselves are fantastic. My least favorite hole was uh, eleven. Yeah, the because mainly just because it's it's a it's a a poke and hope. You know, you just throw it up and pray that you get through that tree for the most part, unless you're throwing it past the giant trees, which is an absolute crush mm-hmm. on that hole. Um, that's the one with the OB pond at the very end where. You know, everybody's trying to crash around. As we saw, Eagle was able to go around. I think, I don't know if I saw AB actually go around, but yeah. I, I went around on round two. Did you? Okay. Um, yeah. Um, I, I could see that not being anyone's favorite hole. Uh, and I think about yeah, the FPO players. I think about watching it played last year. And I'm like, man, this hole seems like it'd be really frustrating. Yeah. It's just kind of a luck factor that you don't, want to see on a mm. on a championship course and other than that hole i absolutely love the property it's uh you know that the, it's there's no other place like it it's got the woods it has the open it has everything elevation uh a, yeah. as well which is awesome i mean i think about you know one of the one of the criticisms as disc golf continues to evolve one of the criticisms of, say, a USDGC is that we have the parking lot and we have some of those elements that we see at the the Winthrop Arena, you know, the baseball diamond, the parking lot, and and things of that nature. And here we have a soccer field that's off to the Tennis left of Fort 10 and some of those other things. Uh, but like you said, I, they also make up for it so beautifully in some of those really wooded holes that makes you think you're out in the middle of nowhere, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think AB even said when we were on hole six, he was like, man, it just feels like we're out here, you know, playing a casual round with the boys. Because, you know, <laughs> there's no there's no gallery. There's just a couple people with cameras and us out there playing because, you know, they kind of make the gallery stay up at the top there. And understandably, you know, there's 4,000 people. You don't want them all crammed in the woods when those holes are pretty tight to each yeah, other. Yeah, no. That was my follow-up. Now, I, I, as I just mentioned, speak to the gallery, the the fact that this was the largest crowd you've played in front of, and quite honestly, most of our players. This is the largest live crowd uh, that many of these players have ever played in front of in their career. Uh, what is that experience like, and, and, and how, how do they pull it off over there in Finland? Uh, I think that the from what I gathered, the the it's a public park so Mm -hmm. they can't really stop people from coming in um i think is what i heard yep and and they try to sell like vip passes to get you in to like sign autographs and stuff before people you know you don't have to wait in line as much and um yeah that's the kind of like that's what creates the giant galleries there is you know they're not selling that many tickets and but to to give the the Finnish people credit they are amazing gallery like they are you could hear a pin drop when we're on the tee pad waiting to throw it's incredible like the the people over there are so respectful and I am uh, grateful to, to them that they are you know they stand still you know UCs yelling at people to stop and they just every the entire crowd just freezes you know it's 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 awesome yeah i think it also helps obviously as we as we know being in the center of that city 
like you don't need to necessarily and drive a good distance. You've got a, a, a well-populated city that people can just show up. Like it's not like Ledgestone or Deglow where yeah, it's a it's a twenty to thirty minute hike from a, a city from a real city. I mean Peoria, eh, give it or take it. If it's a real city or not, I haven't decided. But um, w- if if we had something like this in the middle of Boston, I think we would probably see something like that. But we've got Maple Hill, which is forty five minutes outside of Boston ish. Is it more mm-hmm. than that? Yeah, I, I just maybe an hour. Yeah, yeah maybe an hour. I, I think that some of the discussions I've heard of people saying like, "Well, that's why we need to make disc golf free to watch." I don't think in the U.S. particularly that would make much of a difference uh, unless we had something like that in a big city. If we had something like we had at San Francisco, that's one where I think it could be back when we had uh, Glenn. Was it Glenn Eagles, Terry? Is that the one? Yeah, I think that could be kind of cool uh, with a free event that could bring in a lot of a lot of people. Maybe not yeah, 4,000, but <laughs> I don't think I want to go to San Francisco personally just, uh, <laughs> from what I heard about, you know, some crazy things happen during final round there um with uh some you know gunshots or something yeah and uh some people yeah. helping themselves <laughs> into to, some cars yeah, I, think, I think there I think are some of the struggles stay clear of a city yeah that uh, yeah and it's really tough and, and maybe this is a conversation we can have uh johnny and i'll have after the fact I, I i don't know if it's the free admission i don't know if it's uh i think it's personally just more so the the european crowds in general are that much more ecstatic to see because this might be literally the one time the only chance that they have to see mm-hmm. you and 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 Paul and Ricky and blah blah you know all of our top players i think that's even more so a factor uh about I, them I, showing up i couldn't help but think about that and and see all those little kids that were out there and they're you know with you know they're disc begging people and they they see Paul or they see Rick and they're just screaming for them to get their disc <laughs> signed. And I'm like, these kids think this might be their last chance they ever see mm-hmm. these guys ever. You know, they don't know if they're going to come back. And so they, they, you know, I, I literally stood there, I think for an hour and a half after the round and just signed as many people who would come up to me and, uh, and mm-hmm. offer to sign the disc. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to s- sit there and sign a disc because <laughs> like, I say that now and there's going to be thousands of people coming and wanting to sign discs, but you know what? I'll, I'll stand there and sign discs for all day. I don't care. There was a stat on the broadcast saying that I think it was 25% of kids 12 and under listed disc golf as their favorite sport in Finland, which it, it permeates their culture. It, it's really great. Oh, I mean, we're, we're going to see, I know we've been saying it for a long time and the president's cup almost went their way, which we'll talk about later, but we're going to see this, Come to fruition in the next 10 years. You're going to see a bunch of, I'm going to call them little Anthony Barellas, but they're all Finnish. <laughs> you know, it's it's going to yeah. be fun to watch and watch that Euro Tour with, grow. Uh, I played with uh, Homar, uh, mm. who's a, he's 16. And the, the kid is absolutely unbelievable. Like, he got 15th, I think. He tied for 15th in the tournament. He's fifth. He's sixteen years old and got fifteenth at a major. Yeah, just like, turned. Like, I know. I know. I know. Gannon like just won USCGC and he's seventeen. People are like, "Oh yeah," but you think about like actually he took twelve. Omar Frederick <laughs> took twelve. So so you know. Oh yeah. Well, see there you go. <laughs> Put some respect on his name, <laughs> champ. Right, and the, the kid is amazing, and and every I played with Sexton that same round, and he aced like right in front of us on hole two, and like. <laughs> 
just draining putts. And I'm just like, <laughs> we're in trouble. <laughs> what is finished you know, ace like, in your face? <laughs> yeah. uh, the, the, uh, the, the kids are, are, are only getting better. And it's, and I think it's like, as disc golfers have kids, you know, they're, you know, going to be born into disc golf and only know disc golf, just like Tiger Woods, you know, he was literally born with a, you know, watching his father hit balls into a a net in his garage while he's being fed baby food. Like Mm -hmm. it's like, that's, it's going to happen with disc golf the same way as, as golf, as far as that goes. That's why Corey says, get your majors now, guys, because they, they're going to be a lot harder to get later. <laughs> they certainly are. And, and, and uh, to that point, uh, I'll, I'll call the shameless plug or not, like I experienced that. I got the chance to go to uh, Shaleftia last year uh, to the Shaleftia Open, and I filmed Helmar. I got to watch him, and his brother is also pretty damn good. And I'm seeing, and I had no idea at the time that he was that age. I'm watching how he composed, how composed he is and watching him play and then it wasn't until later someone you know told me he was i think 15 at the time maybe even 14 technically at the time i'm like holy shit like this is <laughs> yeah. insane and like that that is so that is becoming more of the norm over there and clearly we're getting younger players here too like you were just saying but uh over there you know it's a dime a dozen that we're seeing so many of these young superstars so it's it is incredible to see um and it is definitely scary for sure I'm going to give a friend of ours here in the U.S. Uh, in Wisconsin. We call him Matt the Stat Parker. I'm going to give him credit for this question, and I haven't researched it. So he asked me right after you had won. He said, "Is Corey the first winner that wasn't on the President's Cup team?" And this probably would take five minutes for some of your research. And in a week, I haven't. In two days, I haven't done that. Um. If, Probably. if so, uh, yeah, d- d- how does that you meet at well, first I, reaction? I how does that trophy, And I looked at those names for a while, and it's Dave Felberg, Ken Climo, Jesper Lamarck, Dave Felberg, all five times, and then Eagle. And I'm pretty sure every one of those names, with the year that they played, were on the President's Cup. Mm-hmm. That would make sense. Okay. <laughs> those are some of the top Dave, names in our sport. Dave, uh, all respect to everyone on the President's Cup. They totally des- deserved to be in that, you know. And Nate, when I played with him a practice round, he told me that, you know, I was in the running to be on the team, and he gave it to Isaac because he felt, you know, he had to respect the fact that he won the major earlier in the year. And I was like, I totally agree. You know, I, I feel like he uh, earned it over me by, by far with winning that. That being said, hopefully next year. You know. <laughs> I, I yeah, was, Robinson. I, I was I was gonna say or McBath. That's, that's a great finish. That's Come a great on. team captain right there, making sure to massage everybody's shoulders, keep everybody happy. Like, no, you'll get your time, brother. Don't worry. But this guy, don't tell him I said it. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and I don't I don't envy. You know, I've I've run a team event here uh, in Wisconsin. I don't envy anyone. That's put in the position you're talking about, you know, a handful of our best players on the planet to represent a country, such a prestigious honor. And I, and no one, if you were on the team, no one would be like, what the hell is he doing there? No one would say that either. So yeah, difficult decisions and, and, uh, 
you know, ways to to move forward. But next year, if you're not on the team, I'm I'm gonna I'll show up and protest myself. Uh, you you should be there for sure. But well, next year, it's here in the U.S. Usually, correct? It'll be at. Uh, no, I don't think it's it? been here in a while. They right. used to rotate yeah, back to, to back USDGC. So. And I don't think we've seen it here now in quite a few years. I just thought maybe it was skipped because of COVID. But no, uh, oh, I don't right. think maybe so. Maybe not then. I don't know. What do we know? Well, I we don't. don't. Uh, what what comes now as a result of this besides, uh, besides a, a big old fat bonus check hopefully from discraft maybe a few other sponsors but uh what what uh how what's how's the celebration going to come in terms of commemorating and and honoring this are we gonna discraft and others got some discs in the works what's what's the plan because if not let's uh, put them on blast well there's gonna be a commemorative disc um i i talked to bob about it today and um i think it's gonna be a zone um, because I feel like that disc helped me seal the deal. You know, that's what I threw on the upshot on 16. That's what I threw off the tee and the second shot on 18. <laughs> you know, I, I countless other shots. I threw the zone throughout the tournament, you know, and uh, that's that's got to be what it, what it's going to be is a zone. Any, any special zone, plastic, glow, Z, jawbreaker, I don't know. Uh, Z metallic, um, shout out to, hold on. Let me get the disc. Where's my bag? But you, you have a Z glow metallic buzz, which is great. Yeah, I have a, um, well, I can't find one right now. I don't know where they're at. Oh, wait, nope. Well, they're somewhere, but it's a, um, Brian Earhart, uh, tour series. What the last one he was, he had, um, Hmm. their Z metallic, uh, zones and they're all puddle top and the ones i throw are purple and uh yeah that's that's what i want i want to be puddle top nice and overstable good for sidearms you know yeah I, i'm looking right now uh at, at per a quick google search showed me a 2021 z metallic brian Earhart zone so uh your yours will probably be in that similar uh capacity you're saying okay yeah love it Perfect. Makes perfect sense. And then also speaking of checks and bonuses, uh, especially when you got up there, what, what do we see in the background? You, you oh, bring yeah, back. Right. <laughs> I brought home the check. Lucy um, <laughs> would not let me bring home the trophy, even though, you know, I feel like we should get to keep it for like a year or something. I think that would be cool. But you know, at least I got the check. You and got this the- awesome picture my mom uh, had made and brought it to me today when I got home. Yes. Of me winning the, you know. Shit, that's really awesome. That's great. I like. Yeah. I, I love those canvas pictures. By the yeah, way, yeah, that I is incredible. Awesome. So, uh, explain to everybody maybe either the looks or the comments or or uh, you know the conversation walking through multiple international airports with a big old champion check like that. What is uh, what any any really funny books. stories? Yeah, does that fit in an overhead um, compartment? How does that work? <laughs> you have to buy its it own did, ticket. Actually, I was I was shocked that it fit perfectly like in there like. Just underneath my disc golf bag because I'm not checking that thing, you know. <laughs> no, <laughs> never no. check your disc golf bag. Experienced traveler. Yeah, yeah, that's pro tip number one. We agree. Um, 
Yeah, uh, just a, just a lot of goofy looks, and uh, actually, I think it made getting through customs and things easier because they're like, "What do you got there?" And I'm like, "Well, I won the European Open, you see." But... <laughs> yes. Like, oh, that's awesome, man! Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> this way, champ. Yeah. Uh, how were how were the travels? Uh, just in general, you know the we I, I see uh, Aiden Scott. Maybe it was today. Just posting about another 26 hour delay and Ugh. I see oh. all these posts, but like how are travels for you and Molly? Uh, overall pretty smooth. Um, we didn't really have any delays. We flew direct from New York to Helsinki. Okay. And then it was a two hour drive from there up to the tournament and yeah. um, not bad. Really? We got, I feel like we got pretty lucky with no delays, no layovers, uh, um, uh, from what I've heard, um, if you can fly direct, um, <clears throat> it is, uh, less likely to lose luggage mm-hmm. because, you know, you only have one plane to put it on. Mm-hmm. Wow. But overall. Smooth. Good. Yeah. I guess that is a pretty straight, uh, most people don't have the luxury. I don't want to call it a luxury, but the, just the convenience maybe of being able to go from a big enough airport straight to Helsinki. Uh, and then you can decide whether you're going to, you know, take a train or uh, or drive up to Tampere or even fly into Tampere. But yeah, it sounds like straight shot. Make the the travel up there. That makes things a lot easier on you. Uh, what is because I enjoy international travel so much, as stressful as it can be. What what can you share with the world as like a a big takeaway? Like whether it's a pro tip or an absolute do or don't like what's a big takeaway now that you've had this experience uh, from an international travel perspective, good, bad, or indifferent. Um, let's see. We bought some plugins, mm, yep. some like world, inverters. Like, you know, all the different converters. Yeah. Yeah. The, the converters. Um, we also brought our own extension cord from home mm. so that we had more than one plugin once we, plugged it in that was that was good thinking that really helped um yeah uh be prepared for the unexpected because you know (laughs) you're going somewhere you've never experienced anything like it before if it's your first time for us you know we've never left the country and it was quite the experience you know especially grocery shopping you know molly ha- has some <laughs> dietary restrictions and uh trying to figure out what is what and what <laughs> it has in it mm-hmm. is pretty tough so uh google translate doesn't always work no so, you know yeah <laughs> now were you using it where you could just scan over you pulled it up and then you could just scan over the text and then yeah, it would translate for you and and most of the time that would work but uh a lot of things in the grocery store were in Swedish, which I wow. thought was weird. Yeah. Okay. And really, and that. Um, but for the most part, you know, if it didn't work, we'd just type it in, and and then it would come up with something. Sure. Yeah, I saw something on uh, Alden Harris's blog about Ezra Robinson, who's allergic to walnuts, and he he had the uh, waitress order for them, and they didn't realize it had walnuts on it. And he said his lips swelled up, his chest kind of felt thing, and like he oh, was man. not. Mm. He's like, I had to lay down. It was three hours of not so much fun, <laughs> you know. You if you watch the blog, he he kind of talks wow, about it real scary. quickly. It sucks. I mean, you just don't you don't know. Yeah. Uh, so somebody on the board asks, European Open the next time it's offered. I'm I'm not seeing it offered in 2024. 
Um, it's they usually bounce every other year, I believe, is what kind of what's been off and on in the past. Uh, I think we've had two years in a row now. But our, next time it's available, you plan on defending your title? Oh, absolutely. Okay, yeah. I'm I'm going there as <laughs> as often as they'll have me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Uh, that makes uh, perfect sense. Is do you have other aspirations now? Uh, not you've had this taste, not only just of the success, of course, but the international travel, the play, the courses, the fans. Uh, how much does this, you know, give you an urge to to dip your toes into more or, or dive in headfirst into other European events? And if so, which ones? Uh, I definitely want to play uh, PCS. Mm-hmm. Because that place looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not really sure. Um, I, I always wanted to play a Kona Peace Day because mm-hmm. that place looks awesome too. There's a freaking castle on the property. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just, I'd really, Molly and I always wanted to, you know, go to all these different places and just explore. Like we, we took a ferry to. Estonia the very first day that we landed there and uh went to Tallinn and mm-hmm. it was incredible like just to see a like 13th century like town like that's like one of the most well-preserved towns in the world from that era is unbelievable uh, everyone should go and and check that out if you haven't it's it's awesome um it's kind of to- it's there's kind of some tourist traps and stuff like that, you know, where you walk through the town and there's people, you know, with restaurants open and they're yelling at you trying to get you to come and eat or whatever. But mm-hmm. other than that, if you're just there looking at the architecture and all that and going, we went up on the wall and like went through where and walked across and you could be, you know, see over the rooftops and stuff. That was that was awesome. Yeah, Tallinn is on a very short list of of new places I still need to get to, uh, for sure. Uh, you hear so much, and of course, the likes of you know Kristen and Silver and Albert and and Katie and all of them putting Estonia on the map that much more, you know, within uh, European disc golf. Obviously, in the last few years, doesn't hasn't probably hurt their tourism industry when it comes to disc golfers wanting to get for over sure. there. And I'm on that list, so that's and- awesome. To be clear, I just found it on the 2024 on the PDGA site. They do list the 2024 European Open. Uh, it is there. The first Google search I did didn't show it. It showed a bunch of other majors, but it is happening next July. Yep, so. the 17th through the 21st, so essentially the same. Book your tickets now, weekend. Corey. <laughs> yeah, I will be there. <laughs> yes, you will. You'll be on that champions. Um, that I didn't think of until um, like later on after I won and somebody asked me. Um, does someone know if a winner, like I probably just text Paul and ask him, uh, is it like USCGC where if you win, do you get invited back forever? I don't know if the European open has distinct qualifiers. Like you're over. I don't think Paul's ever had to think about that. <laughs> Honestly, come on. Like, well, that's, that's true. <laughs> uh, well, let's, let's do a super quick gur- gurgle, gurgle search. Wow. A gurgle search. Uh, wow. That's a different search, search engine. Qualifying us is after the discussions, uh, they've decided that qualifying will change to ratings based, uh, to the qualifying tournament. I'll, da, 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 da. uh, full qualification details. Let me click on here. Let's see if we can get to it. now again, this is for this year. So there's obviously always the chance that, uh, something can get altered. 
um, qualification details. The top five MPO and the winner of the FPO division in these qualifying tournaments will receive, oh, that's for other events. Yeah, those for Sorry. other events. Uh, all players, special invitations, past winners of the European Open tournaments. And then it went on to show Macbeth, Felberg, Climo, Yunmark, and Jesper. Uh, Jesper Lundmark. Sorry, I called him Yunmark. I know you might uh, and, blended and them. McMahon. So it shows them. So as, your name's going to be added to that list, hopefully. Yeah. It, and then it says the top 10 MPO and top FPO of the previous year were also invited. Then it talks about UDISC World Ranking and then special invites and, and then special qualifying events. I think they but, got you covered. But right now, this if if they keep with what they have here, uh, it, you're in a pretty good position. Sweet. So, uh, yeah. Back every time I can. There you go. That makes perfect sense. All right. Well, we know you've had insane travels and and some of the highest of highs and hopefully not too many lows in the last few days. But uh, now's a good time. If you could shout out any supporters, sponsors, places people can find you, support you, follow your journey, uh, all of those types of things. This, the stage is yours to give all those plugs. Uh, I just want to you know, thank my sponsors for making it even possible and believing in me that I could do this, you know, and there has been many people in my life, especially around here uh, locally that, you know, growing up trying to become a professional disc golfer always told me, you know, you need to give up and get a real job. And, you know, there has been many times I had no money, you know, and went and played a tournament just to make some money and, you know, it's uh, it's been a long way, and there's still a long way to go. You know, and just thank you to everyone who has supported me through everything, and who continues to support me. And thank you guys for having me on here. You know, whenever, whenever you want. Now, now that you're a major winner, we give you the secret <laughs> at phone. So whenever yeah. you want to call in, you just let us know. You like, I I took fourth at this C tier, but I want to talk about something. We'll take you. We'll, Sorry, we'll take yeah. you. <laughs> no, no. Uh, yeah, uh, so so Facebook, Instagram, Chain Antagonist. Um, yeah. All right. Well, uh, of and, course. And TeamDiscraft.com if they want to purchase your plastic. TeamDiscraft.com. Yeah, I have links to all my sponsors. That, uh, yeah, they got the shirt. I got the hats. They're coming. Um, uh, I got awesome buzzes that are, you know, right here. You can go and buy these. They're really good. They fly just exactly like the one on I threw on 17. Um, if you want that disc, um, zones are coming. Uh, there's still putters. There's still horses everywhere. Uh, whale sacks, EDO, squatch bags. Everybody, you know, help me out here. I, I have a quick question. I, maybe you don't know the answer to this because it's relatively soon. Do you business question, I guess you, you see a general level of activity on your page. Do you see that spike this weekend after you won major? Does, does like someone call you and be like, dude, your stuff is selling now like hotcakes or. Yeah, you know? actually Bob said I, my stuff on Sunday alone, like sold really well. Okay, like, great. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I'm glad to hear that, that, that you know, wins like that also do translate into additional sales. That's great to hear. Yeah, I think I, I went up like 2,000 followers on Instagram just on that one day. So it's it's crazy what it does, man. Hopefully it just keeps happening and keeps going up and just try to, you know, be myself. And hopefully people like me for that. I don't know. 
Well, I'll I'll close it out by saying Corey, uh, you know, of course, right, it's so deserving everything yeah. that has come your way, you know, the journeys, the struggles, the triumphs, the mini triumphs. And uh, I've been there uh, to to witness. I was in the booth for Maple Hill. I was standing there. You graciously gave uh, an incredible interview after coming up short to Calvin at Glow last year. I've watched you persevere. I've watched, you know, you overcome some personal struggles and challenges. And I, I just can't say enough how amazing it's been to watch you grow as a person, as a golfer, as a human. Uh, I'm, I'm so happy for you and Molly and, and happy to watch you take this down. And it's just probably a small step in your career. It's, it's a big step, but one of many that I think we're going to continue to see from you. And I, I think the world of you and everything that you've done and, uh, I, we wish nothing but the best for you, man. It's and been I, incredible. I don't know if I need to apologize or not that, uh, uh, <laughs> I was partially responsible for the Maple Hill shot of you in the cabin. I, if you listen to the footage, you can literally hear me talking to the cameraman saying you either need to get in there closer or back away. <laughs> and, uh, uh, it's, uh, I was like, when I looked up actually and saw the camera, I was like, of course they're looking at me. Yeah. It, it was for, such a record. I, yeah. For the record, I was not crying. I did cry after D-Glow, though. I was yeah. I was pretty upset after D-Glow. Oh, well, because I, that was the first time I'd like tasted it. You know, mm-hmm. I was like right there. But I, Maple Hill, I was <laughs> like, you got to be kidding me! Like, yeah. you know, like it's literally in the palm of your hand, and you throw it on the green, and you win. Like, yep. that's it. You have one shot. Throw it on there. And I, I, you know, not to pat media on the back too much because I think we get enough of that. But I truly think that it's a it's shots like that which some people thought was a little intrusive that make the shots of you winning afterwards that much more relatable that much more likable and things like that being I, able to see your suffering make, makes it that much better i want to make a specific shout out let me find it real quick it was um the mdg media on instagram mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um they made an incredible video of of me it has like 3,500 likes already. Mm-hmm. And it was on Sunday they posted it. And it's of me and Molly and me winning with this background. And the way that it's edited and shot with the light coming through, it's incredible. And I just want to shout out those guys and say thank you for doing that. That's yeah, the, an awesome memory that we will cherish forever. Yeah, they did a great job. And I noticed that the perfect spot where the sun was right between you two. And I was like, that's just excellent. Great. Uh, cinematography. cinematography yeah thank you yeah it was uh i i saw that exact same post i'm pretty sure i liked it if not i'm still going to it was it was incredible and and so deserving of everything that you guys experienced and everything that you went through and the the triumph that uh ultimately was at your feet for the weekend so Corey, before I, before go i go one more thing i want to shout out to those guys on the card and and just say you know they are incredible friends and competitors because they were genuinely happy for me winning. And, you know, that's awesome. You know, Kyle, we hung out afterwards at the after party and, and went out to eat and we talked about it and, you know, he's such a good kid and was, he said, he, he said if he didn't win, he wanted whoever won it to change their lives. And, and him and Cynthia were like really happy for me. That meant a lot, you know. Well, things like that can be said. 
because of the the character and the human that you are. And I think some people might be able to float, you know, a line like that around and may or may not mean it. But when we see your character and we see how you persevere, we see everything that you've been through. Uh, it's easy for all of us in the disc golf community to root for you. And I, I just can't say it enough. That's a testament to you and your character. And uh, we're Johnny V and I are right there in that same camp. 100%. So. It's Thank been incredible, guys. man. Uh, so stoked for you. Uh, congratulations to you. Congratulations to Kristen. On the other side, we'll talk more about your European Open other things. There's other stuff that happened, too. <laughs> uh, but congratulations to the both of you. Again, a deserving champion. And and uh, what do you know? could be a few weeks, and, and we might have to have you back because you're, you're claiming more titles out there yeah, on, okay, on we'll live see. disc golf. All right. Well, we love you, buddy. Congrats again. Everyone, that's Corey Ellis, your champion at the European Open. Thanks for joining us tonight. We'll catch you uh, a little later, buddy. See you guys. Have Thanks, a good one. Wow. Unbelievable. What a awesome story. So, uh, yeah, just impressive to see what he could do and everything that he could get done uh, out there. And... Um, Thank you, Corey, so much for joining. I have to say real quick, uh, I reached out to him yesterday. I said, hey, I know you're traveling. I know this could be madness. I know things are a little bit crazy, uh, but please uh, let us know if it's in the cards for you to join us, him being even on the East Coast with the extra late time (laughs) zone. So everything that he's gone through, uh, we very much appreciate it. Let me uh, make a quick note here. (laughs) And I think we are good to go. Uh, with that, we're going to keep things I said tonight. Keep we're moving. A, a little bit of an international theme and with some exciting stuff that's going on. I've been hearing rumblings of a, of a tournament that's starting to uh, gain some ground and some traction. We said, let's talk about it here. It's going to be coming up, I think, the weekend before the USDGC kicks off. So we're going to send it out to British Columbia. And I believe we have our tournament director, Dennis Graffard. Did I get it? Dennis, you there? Uh, it doesn't sound like, sorry, Dennis, it doesn't sound like we have your uh, mic audio. So there might be a, a connection. It sounds like you can hear us, I'm guessing. Uh, or it could be on our end. There's a slight chance Johnny's going to triple check. I don't think uh, so. And just, you never know. Just an editorial note for everyone uh, because we were having Corey first, we didn't get a chance to test with Dennis. So just hang on one second, Dennis. It could be on our end. Mm hmm. Um, it doesn't look like it. It looks like it might be on Dennis's end. Just double check. So maybe uh, in your uh, settings, let's double check. Everyone just hold tight. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm just not seeing any audio coming through from you. but Yeah, so it might be <laughs> on uh, what, what mic you're pulling from on your end, Dennis. Let me see if I can punch this in. He's talking in metric. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> ah, it's, all those, it's all those Canadian dollars. No, uh, let's see if uh, I might be able to send over. This is when we need a quick commercial break, Johnny. You have any commercials to play? Uh, not any <laughs> recent ones. Kidding. Sorry, Terry Miller. <laughs> uh, everyone, hold on with us for just one moment. Let me send maybe. Yeah, a lot of times if you if you close out, go back in. There's an option to go rather than click connect. There's an option for advanced, and then in there you can possibly 
change your microphone and stuff. Um, go to like the advanced version. So I'm going to just, we'll just do this while we wait. Um, I'll, I'll be able to see when your audio starts coming through. Uh, real quick, uh, while he yeah, takes, well, while yeah. he takes care of that, we'll I'll quickly we'll quickly talk about um, the rest of the top ten for MPO. Oh, that's the wrong event, right there. We go European Open, and obviously our winner, who we gentleman who we had, Corey Ellis, second place, Kyle Klein, you know, squeezing it in there by a single stroke. Uh, third place is oh, I'm seeing audio come through now, so. That's looking much better. Um, Ezra Aderhold, Eagle McMahon, tied for fourth with Calvin Heinberg, Ricky Wysocki, Anthony Barella, unfortunately dropped down due to that eight he took on 16, dropped all the way down to seventh place, tied for eighth place, a three-way between Ben Calloway, who we didn't see hardly at all on the broadcast, Chris Dickerson, kind of similar, uh, and then Bradley Williams, who we did catch quite a bit of. Those were, That rounded out your top ten. All right. Well, with that being said, we'll get back to FPO later because it sounds like we might have Dennis all ready to go, and we'll try it again. Dennis, can you hear us? I can hear you guys fine. Oh, oh you thank sound you. So nice now. Yeah, it sounds great. Actually, <laughs> sounds really good. Well, that's uh, not what my wife tells me. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we all have our uh, duct tape. All right, so. Yeah. Well, first of all, welcome to the show. Uh, we just got done talking to Corey Ellis, who had this in- insane international adventure, of course, taking down the major. Mm-hmm. Uh, a good mutual friend of ours had let me know that uh, you guys have something cooking up there in uh, in the BC. So uh, w- let's start with the event. What's the name of the event and when is it taking place? So the event is called the Harvest Huck, and it is September 29th through October 1st, doing three days, one round a day with, uh, you know, it's a little bit lower light, so we're keeping it to one round a day. You know, traditionally up here, we've done a lot of two round a day stuff, Mm -hmm. um, with the exception of our A tiers. This being a B tier, we're, you know, we're trying to run it basically as best we can, so like an A tier and, you know hopefully higher caliber than that even. Uh, So uh, three days in late September, uh, you know, uh, filtering into the early part of October. Two courses. Is that what I'm seeing? Two courses. Yes. So Uh, what's the decision for that? Um, just mostly a highlight of the two courses. Um, in the past we've, We've done some single course tournaments up here in the past, a couple of years, and uh, they've been well received. But, you know, our, our look is at um, disc golf tourism. That's what we've been mm. trying to grow here for 12 years. Um, and only, you know, in the last few years has it really started ballooning. Um, I finally talked some of the owners of one of our local golf courses into letting us design a course on a permanent course on their property. So, you know, one of the part, one of the deals with that was I was going to organize a tournament for their property. Um, so that's what we did for a few years. We ran a C tier there. Um, Sarah Hokum came up and played with us, um, had some lots of fun up there and then COVID hit. So that tournament kind of died. Um, and then, you know, life's been a little bit busy and then, yeah. So with this tournament, um, there's been a lot of work going on at our local, local course. You know, it's kind of 
you know, five minutes from my house. <laughs> um, GMAC uh, from Castaplast, Team Castaplast there, and Nicoletta have been just, I can't even describe the amount of, the volume of work they've been putting in there. It's been uh, just awesome. It's been my wife and I, you know, maintaining the course for the last 10 years and for them to come in now and help, it's just, yeah, it's been brilliant and we need to showcase it. Um, so, you know, with AMS and pros, I think the two courses definitely lend well to each other. Um, everybody will play both courses. Um, our ski hill course is a little bit shorter. It's only running at like 6,200 feet, but it's technical. Um, you know, it's, it's not an easy course. Um, not for any of our standards anyway. <laughs> um, you know, whereas the Wells Great Golf Resort, it's a little bit longer. It's running closer to 7,000 feet on our open layout. Um, what we lack in elevation, we take, you know, we gain back in natural hazards. Okay. It's a very wet course. Um, so uh, it, as it in, plays as well. in marshes or uh, uh, cattails or as in you've got water everywhere, what, what, you know, in lakes and ponds or when you say a very wet water course. and ponds. Okay. So OB, plenty Line, of OBs. Oh, a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I've been working for the last five years trying to disperse the water by throwing all my plastic in it and it's not working. So I think okay. they're pretty deep. <laughs> all right. So uh, when you, well, I guess maybe to, to uh, extrapolate or to, to follow up on those, what courses would the rest of the world maybe be able to compare them to? I, I know you said they're a little on the shorter side, but if you said, you know, course A kind of reminds you of blank, what, what might be a comparison that maybe the disc golf community might oh. be somewhat familiar with? Man, you're putting me on the spot here just because I can't, uh, I can't, I mean, I watch a lot. I consume a lot of disc golf, but I can't really name okay. a lot of. Um, Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You know, I mean, a, a few of our holes, the ski hill is an interesting course because while, you know, we are on a ski hill, so there's some elevation drops, but we, we do some elevation gains, but we kind of crisscross the hill Okay. We only have three or four holes that are actually in the wide open. The rest is actually all treed, um, mm. you know, treed with elevation. So it's a lot of fun. Um, 
Yeah, I, I honestly can't really put a course to it. Um, okay. Nicolette is probably yelling at me across the yard because <laughs> um, she would be able to put a name to it immediately. Um, but yeah, just a lot shorter, technical, tight fairways, lots of woods. Um, you uh, know, two of our holes on the ski hill, you know, nice big drops, you know, 100, 150 foot elevation drop, you know, down into an island green, that sort of stuff. Uh, it won't be hole 16. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, just by the little you've described, and I have not looked at anything, I immediately, and maybe because I think of the property and an association with it, I immediately start thinking of a, of, uh, oh my gosh, uh, Brewster Ridge out at okay. in Vermont. Uh, and, and maybe I'm dead wrong. I have no idea. I, I haven't seen your property. But when you talk about some subtle elevations, but yet technical, you know, of course, that's adjacent, right, to a couple of the ski hills at Brewster Ritt or at yeah. the rest of uh, Smugs. Uh, does, is there anywhere near maybe some of those vibes? Yeah. Yeah, I would say something along those lines. Okay. I mean, you know, anybody that is interested can pop onto UDISC. We've been updating our photos there virtually okay. daily as new T-pads are being built. Um, there's a lot of landscaping and uh, infrastructure going on there right now. So what are some of the biggest you know, well, let me, let me back up. Uh, the, the original flyer says $10,000 added cash. Then I saw a new yes. post and a new flyer that says, well, it looks like it's going to be at least 15,000. What, what, where yeah. does the, uh, excitement come from to raise a bunch of money to have these people to then come play? Is that, is that just your tourism people saying, Hey, these, you need to get people here to, to experience this. Um, it actually, it all stems back from, uh, let's see, I guess that was LVC two years ago. Um, you know, Gannon and Drew battling off, um, a buddy of mine who'd never watched disc golf in his life. We were watching it together and, uh, you know, fell in love with it, just watching it even. So when we were hosting, we were, we run a, an unsanctioned series here locally in the province, like in the interior of the province. And uh, so we were doing an event for that. And he decided, you know, Hey, let's do something silly and let's throw uh, $3,000 cash at it at this unsanctioned tournament. So it was like, Oh, okay. So now I've got to go actually clean up the course. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Something. Ah. Yeah. So yeah, it went over really well. I mean, you know, it added a bunch of players to us and it brought, you know, a few more people to town because we are, you know, we're five hours from Vancouver, okay. um, hour and a half from Kamloops, which people might be familiar with. Um, so, you know, we're not, we're not central by any means. Um, and then at the end of it, you know, he, him and his wife joined, uh, joined us for the afternoon, watching off the deck at our ski lodge. And, uh, yeah, they just they loved it, and they decided at the end of it that they were going to announce ten thousand cash added this year, um, you know, without telling me. <laughs> so, okay. so really this is where course. you know, well, exactly, right? <laughs> and you know, step it up from an unsanctioned tournament, bring in, you know, get into B tier status, and you know, yeah, just make it something that you know people want to come and play. We had a lot of positive feedback from our tournaments at the golf course because it was a it's a stay and play type resort. 
Mm. So everybody that virtually everybody that played was all staying together, camping together. You know, there's no cell service up there at the time. There wasn't. Um, it was, yeah, it was a very big sense of community, which a lot of people enjoyed. Um, our town's still small enough that even with the two tournaments or the two courses, sorry, that, you know, we can still have that sense of community. We're doing our player party um, at our sponsor's hotel. He yeah. owns two hotels in town. So he's put baskets in his courtyard now. Um, they're doing discounted rates for all the disc golfers. We're doing a player party there. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's just kind of, they saw our passion for it and jumped on board. Yeah, that's incredible. And then that makes all this is all tying together because it's officially listed as Harvest Hawk presented by Best Western Plus and Quality Inn sponsored by Discraft. So uh, you, as you just mentioned, having the activities and then obviously we know what the host hotels are, uh, that becomes yeah. a no brainer. Um, so that that's incredible. And just the idea of somebody stepping up and saying, hey, we want to support this. And then knowing that we're going to get this many more people into town and that it can all be, uh, you know, symbiotic in a lot of ways of working together and having the golfers support uh, the businesses and the businesses support the disc golf. It works out really well, which is awesome. Um, what when you decide uh, who's going to play where and how many different rounds uh, is that all become kind of obvious due to the difficulty of the course? Is it like, oh, it's obvious the pros will play this course twice and this course once? Um, how, how do you make those um, decisions? Not, not necessarily. Um, I kind of made the decision that I wanted the pros to play the ski hill twice because a, it's a little more technical. Um, our FPO, I can run them on the same course on the same pads and they can still score well because, you know, if you've got a 300, 320 foot hole arm, you can score on virtually every hole. Okay. Good to know. As long as your shots are clean. Um, you know, there's they're not easy by any means. <laughs> um, but you know, it's and it's not like they're janky, not easy. They're just technical. Technical, okay. tight, but there is a line for every shot. Um, there's often two lines, maybe three lines for every shot, but they're not easy, all of them. Um, you know, some are more fun, like you know, our downhill shots that are into, you know, this wide open air, um, well, what will be an island. Um, you know, those are fun shots. Those are empty your bag type of shots at the end of the day. Um, but yep. yeah, so, and a lot of our, a lot of our local pros, you know, they like the golf course because up here we don't have a ton of opportunity to play golf course courses, mm. especially permanent ones. Um, I think Wells Gray might have been the first permanent ball golf course, well, disc golf course on a ball golf course in Western Canada. Uh, they've been there about five years now. Um, after the first tournament, they, they absolutely loved disc golfers. Um, you know, it was, uh, yeah, they were just so happy with it and it was just a great experience for them too. So it's carried on up there. They, we do have new owners at the Wells Gray Golf Resort, but they in turn have just jumped right on board and, you know, are doing everything that I basically ask for changes. Um, we needed some new bridges built. We needed, you know, some brush clearing. They've done, they're just jumping on board and doing it. 
Now, so. uh, with the, which is great to hear, uh, first of all, and especially even after a change of ownership, because that's always a flip of a coin, right? Sometimes a new that owner was. will come I and was say, prepared to, <laughs> yeah, to, to, to pack it up. <laughs> well, yeah, I was prepared to buy the baskets from them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's just, you know, sometimes they come in and are excited about it and, and want to continue to improve and host stuff. And others are like, yeah, whatever these things are, get them out of our way. We need more campsites or whatever the case is. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's yeah. really good to hear. Now with with ten or fifteen thousand dollars added, you know at least uh, B tier payout is. Are you a B tier because you were working your way up through the ranks and and didn't necessarily couldn't get awarded that A tier status? Because it sounds like you're going to hit the mark in terms of payouts for an A tier. Oh yeah, yeah, we've far exceeded A tier payouts. I mean, I expect if. If we fail, which I think we will, we're only about 90 or so short right now. Um, you know, I think we're going to be in that thirty-five to 40,000 Canadian. So I don't know. What's that? 250 bucks US or something? <laughs> yeah, I lost track of the I think it runs. So. I think it runs at around 26,000 US. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Well, yeah, we're far exceeding that. And I did actually ask for a tier status but you know a i missed the cutoff for applying for it because we didn't know we were going to have all this money uh b i've only actually run a few c tiers and mostly you know we've run lots of unsanctioned events 20 or 30 of those but Mm. um you know i guess we got to pay our dues you, you do, and it makes sense because if you i'm not suggesting this but if you were to fail (laughs) or screw something up immediately all the players would then be able to write to the PG and say, why the hell did you give this guy an A tier? He, you know, he had, so it, there, it makes yeah, sense absolutely. to have those steps in place. Uh, and talk and about your, I was going to say, everybody loves the secret B tier with 10,000 or with, you know, yeah. $26,000 added cash. And yeah. Under that, promise over to yeah. that first B tier. And then that next year when it's an A tier, everyone's like, well, I was here last year. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what about your crew? You know, how much help are you going to need? Where are you getting it from? Cause it sounds like everybody would want to come play is there people that actually are like hey i'll just uh, hang out and volunteer and work um well i'm still rounding a few of those up okay <laughs> you know um you know myself and my wife will run one side i've got a turn um outstanding tournament director um john goldthorpe if anybody's familiar with western canadian disc golf and ace runners mm-hmm. he's my other td for the wells gray golf resort side so okay. i don't have any fear up there um, most of these courses are very well defined. Um, so I'm not, I'm not too concerned on having a lot of staffing on site okay. because it, you know, it's, it's pretty easy to just play it out. Um, there's going to be a few spots. We're going to need a couple spotters, you know, we'll have some check-in people, but you know, if all goes according to plan, we should have this course, these both courses, lined marked ready to play two weeks before the tournament wow um, and we'll find if we'll find out if there's any inconsistencies any problems you know are there any questions which will all be addressed in player handbooks um and i mean that's the way we've ran our c tiers in the past you know with full-on player handbooks everything marked everything you know circles drawn um or ropes on the baskets just trying to alleviate any questions before they happen 
Now, I'm on your, and I'm going to put it right in the chat as we speak. Uh, so let me do that before I forget. So I'm, I'm linking to your event right there in the chat, uh, at least on the PDGA site. Um, so I'm looking at it, like you just said, you know, you're 80 or 90 short. You've got 197 people already registered, which I think s- says a lot because this event is just a little over two months away and you already uh-huh. have 200 people signed up. Uh, I see Nicholas Culver, who's based out of uh, Iowa, and he's one of the few, at least in the open division, that is coming from uh, outside of Canada. And and I see most of your FPOs are from inside Canada. In fact, all of them. Uh, so obviously, I'm not shocked by any of this. We're seeing a lot of Canadian representation. What's yep. what's your sales pitch? What's your plug for how we can um, get others to come have this experience up in Canada that are coming from uh, you know the the lower half of the continent? Well, I mean, you know, Western. I guess part of part of it is you know Western. I, I think the Western Canadian disc golf scene is just different. Um, it's a lot more community oriented. It's a lot more, you know, this is more of an experience than it is. It's not more of an experience than a tournament, but it's more of an experience than a lot of disc golf tournaments you go to, um, you know, going down to the, you know, and it's, I shouldn't be comparing it to the LVC, but that's the only major I've been to. So, okay. <laughs> um, you know, it, and that was a few years ago. So there, it was still fairly tight, but it was still a tournament, you know, just, and people came, they played, they left. Um, whereas, you know, here we, we really focus on the experience. Um, so there's that part of it. I mean, the money never hurts. No. Um, you know, like that's, that's going to be the draw. Let's, you know, no two ways about it. <laughs> Ideally, I would love to, I would love to have, you know, one of the pros come in and do a clinic possibly. Okay. Um, I've spoken to a few, um, you know, we're getting some feedback. We're kind of waiting. I think um, I've talked to a few of the FPOs, Ellen Widboom, who, you know, we spent some time with in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um, I've talked to, I've been speaking a little bit to Jennifer Allen. I won't put her on the spot and make her decide today. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, um, I know she was obviously a bunch of them are waiting for some scheduling stuff that's just been announced. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think it would be a good experience. I know the timing isn't great for a lot of them going to USDGC, but you know, there's also a lot that aren't going to USDGC. Um, Western Canada is absolutely beautiful this time of year. Our September's and October's of, yeah, they've been getting oddly progressively warmer. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, we've been getting great weather boats. We've been, you know, there's no bugs. Um, yeah, it's it's yeah. an experience. No, it sounds like it. Uh, I, I see Carrie. Carrie, thank you for the super chat who had jumped on there earlier, also saying uh, Wells Gray Park is a world tourist destination. Make a holiday of it. Experience disc golf and so much more. Waterfalls and hiking are world class. So a couple more great 100%. selling points. Yeah, I, I would say, you know, I, I'm sold with the one challenger exception is the fact that it's just your timing, you know, from a uh, – from like you said, the players that are likely traveling down east to the USDGC or to throw pink again, just to put it out there, everyone, we're talking about uh, Friday, September 29th, 
Saturday the 30th and then Sunday, October 1st. And then when you look ahead, if you just uh, are looking at a calendar, it would be uh, four, three or four days later that we'll see the Throw Pink and the USDGC start on the 5th. So this it would end on Sunday the 1st. And then uh, usually we have a Monday qualifying at USDGC. Tuesday is kind of the day off. And then um, you know, Wednesday, Thursday is when competition starts getting going. So that, that clearly is your only challenge. And, yeah. and that's of every event that is on this given weekend, right? Like well, it the whole makes end sense. Of the season is yeah. Tight. That's your big yeah, challenge. We knew it going in. Um, we had a bit of a scheduling conflict. I was actually trying to get it a week earlier than that. Okay. Um, and then somebody decided that they wanted to get married that weekend. So, you know, <laughs> Threw a wrench into it because they rented our lodge. Ah, <laughs> like our, okay. Part of the ski hill, part of the ski hill disc golf course is a beautiful wood, you know, log structure lodge. Um, and yeah, so they have the course and the di- the whole place rented out for the weekend. And I didn't figure they'd want you know three hundred fifty, four hundred people traipsing around in their wedding. Uh, no. Probably not. Not not if they're not disc golfers. I say I had my reception in in, a, in, a, in like a lodge area. I wouldn't have minded that. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, and yeah, I it think, sounds. I think. Go ahead. Sorry, I think uh, you know it. That whole experience thing it lends a lot to the whole like West Western Canadian disc golf is you know while it's not talked about a lot it's blowing up pretty good. Okay. Um, I know we just had the like we just had the BC Open um, last weekend. USDGC qualifier also, mm-hmm. um, you know, and they ran, they had like 580 players, wow. you know, like, so the tournaments are getting big. Um, Kamloops does a fantastic job of their tournament capital open. You know, they ran 375 people or so through just a couple of months ago. Um, right before our tournament, Alberta's doing a big one over at uh, Aspen Meadows uh, Falcons flight. You know, there's a lot of big tournaments in Western Canada that I don't know if they're being overworked because, I mean, they are just that. They're great. But, you know, they're definitely experiences people should have. Yeah, I think it's just a matter of, I think certainly, obviously, some timing. And then we all know, and it's not a real big surprise, you get a couple of our top pros that go over there have this experience that you're that you're putting out on the table, mm-hmm. once they gobble that up, then it may be a snowball effect from there. Just a matter of finding the right weekend, finding the right, right opportunity for them to actually be able to join. We've seen but, that with a lot of the international yeah. events, whether it's Southeast Asia or Europe or uh, even technically national up in Alaska, same thing. You know, yeah. just Once it's kind of known that it's a good event, good course, good payout, pros will start to show up whether yeah. you like it or not. Yeah, it feels like a no-brainer. It just really comes down to scheduling. And now there's so many events like yourself that are are going the extra mile or the extra five kilometers or whatever you guys do probably, uh, doing all that extra stuff <laughs> ju- to make it special. And now it's even more competitive. It used to be just a bunch of money. We'd get golfers somewhere yep. and then be like, well, we need money and a good course. Well, okay, we got those on the list. Now, money, a good course, uh, an opportunity to do clinics or vending, you know, that, that gets added to the list. And then after all that, it still has to fit logically onto a schedule, you know, within a, a you know, a geographic uh, time and place as well. It's, 
it's a lot of boxes to check, but um, most people will find a yeah. way if they're if they're trying. And you know, you know, again, I, I fully a hundred percent appreciate this opportunity just to showcase our tournament and Western Canada. I mean, you know, this is a huge platform for that. And yeah, I mean, I don't fully expect we'll fill up tonight after this sort of thing, sure. but it puts it on the radar for those people that, you know, like to travel for experience, you know, like when my wife and I go on holidays now, it's almost got to have a disc golf course wherever we're going. <laughs> You're you know, not like alone in that. There's a yeah. lot of, well, uh, exactly. There's, there's, and that's a lot disc of golf tourism is huge. That do that. Um, my kids would say different, but you know, <laughs> Uh, one way or another, they'll get on board. No, it it <laughs> it clearly it. Uh, I, truth be told, I'm sold on the idea. I love it. It all comes down to, like you said, it comes down to the timing and the the actual opportunities. And uh, it it seems like a no brainer, especially as you just mentioned with the courses that are in the area, uh, the the excitement, the growth, the participation by so many. It feels like somebody should be just taking, you know, these little pockets, these little tours and trips and make this a destination. Uh-huh. And, and even if you can't do it on this weekend uh, of the event, it sounds like it should be done. And I'm I'm right there on the top of that embarrassed list that I haven't uh, been able to pull it off yet. Uh, but it certainly is yeah. going to be on my radar. It's a long way. Yeah, it is. But um, you got to get there. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. And part of, you know, the other bonus for this tournament this year is we're approach to um in conjunction with our tournament run it as the bc provincial disc golf championships so a lot like state championships were provincial championships so you know that lends some more air to it and you know makes us want to step up our game a bit more um yeah that probably feels is that almost like a bidding process or like a competitive sense to be to be awarded Um, that or it's been it has been a bidding process in the past and then covid hit and okay. then you know it's it's kind of been taken on by groups that want to do it um currently I, it's going back to the bidding process from my understanding um i haven't followed that side of it too much but i knew they didn't have anybody this year and they were kind of putting the bug in my ear that this might be the, the right time because it is the the end of the season, it's good for our provincial championships. We usually run it in September. And, you know, I think we're the we're the only bigger tournament at the end of September this year, so it okay. fit. Um, well, it it sounds like a massive undertaking. Uh, you, I, obviously, you have the hotels uh, as, as your title sponsors. You have Discraft on board. Uh, is there, if people did want to support this or also somehow get involved... Uh, is is there opportunities still in, in terms of some kind of sponsorship? And if so, what are yeah, you looking I mean, for uh, besides cash? I mean, even <laughs> oh well, there, or in addition to out. cash, um, maybe let's say that. Yeah, I mean, we on our harvesthuck.ca website there are some actual fundraiser discs for sale. Okay. Nice. Um, I'll try and Where's that, that art out. Come, where did backwards. that art come from? Who's in uh, Who's in it charge of that? Came art? from uh, our one and only Michael Bernard. Ah, Michael, good stuff. Yes, yeah. He uh, he's been doing a bunch of stuff for us. Um, for our like our non-sanctioned series. Okay. Um, he's been doing a bunch of our artwork, and yeah, when I came up when we came up with the plan for this one, I I just knew he was the guy, and you know the super colors turn out so amazing. They do. Um, yeah. 
so yeah, we, we did a series of four. We did some for our Doomsday series, as well as the Harvest Tuck series. Um, so there's that. But yeah, we do have a bunch of other, like our local governments have stepped up. You know, our regional district, TNRD, um, they, they threw in a thousand bucks. Um, we had, you know, our other hotel, a third hotel in town, they just threw in 2000 to help out with things. We've got water sponsors. We've got beverage sponsors. Brave Brewing just jumped on provincial championships. Of course, PDGA steps in and gives us a few dollars as well as our, uh, BC Disc Golf Association also throws in a few dollars for that. So yeah, it helps balance it all out and, you know, get all the little, all the extras taken care of and, you know, help helps us make that experience. Um, but wow. having those major sponsors step up to the plate with the 10 grand right off the top, it just, it makes, it makes it a lot easier to do these things. Um, I don't have to spend half my days out fundraising. I can spend them on the course or paperwork or, you know, all the other things that we do. Uh, oh, one of my final questions for you, because of course I wish you the best of luck and I'm super excited and, and what a, what a great. Yes. Really, I'll pick you up from the airport. <laughs> sales pitch. Wow, nice. uh, I like that's it. Half the, that's half his problem. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. you might, you I got a there. lot of luggage. I got a lot of baggage, if you know what I mean. So one of my uh, final questions though is uh, what are you doing? And it, it, this is almost a tad personal, but what are you doing to uh, help your longevity as, as a TD as as just someone wanting to keep their sanity i mean you're you're putting so much on your plate and this is a massive undertaking what are some of the steps you're either writing down or learning or processing or noting or 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 putting in that diary or log what are some of the things that's going to help you keep this fire going for hopefully years to come well i think um i mean the next couple of years will be pretty easy i think we've got again you know with people moving into town, GMAC and Nicoletta being here, mm-hmm. they have a fire that's unmatched. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so that's kind of renewed our look on it as well. You know, we, we neglected the courses for a little while, for sure, a few years, just because we're busy. Um, and there was nobody else playing, and it was just for us. Um, so with them here, you know, we've had other disc golfers move into town, you know, we're getting six to eight people at our little club nights now. And it's so there's that. And, you know, we're developing the Clearwater Disc Golf Club. Finally, we have enough people to actually run a society. Mm-hmm. So we'll move the tournament over into the club's hands. And, you know, I think, you know, as long as our sponsor's happy, we'll be bigger and better next year. Awesome. Um, I Like I said, it's very exciting. Uh, I I wish the timing was, I, I think about USDGC specifically because PEI has at one point, I think was the weekend before USDGC, obviously over on the Eastern side of the country. And then people just having to go South to get down to, and now I think about you being on literally the opposite. If my math is, or my geography is right. And math, you're literally on the opposite side. But if, if anyone like has the opportunity to be here, it, it seems like a no brainer to be part of it. Uh, any, any final, uh, thoughts, plugs, uh, information, uh, I've put out a few of the links, uh, anything, uh, anything else you want to share with the people before we let you go? I'm um, just kind of looking over my notes. Um, I'm probably missing a whole bunch of things. And like I say, you know, the neighbors are probably yelling at me over across the yard and, uh, you forgot this, but 
No, um, no, I think I, I've been in yeah. touch with Nicoletta. She seems to, <laughs> she she seems like you're on the right track. She's not here. texting you. Yeah, we we uh, I think we've covered. Well, I mean, I this not. is definitely the good groundwork. If they need to mo- need more than this, then they're just uh, being lazy or nosy. Uh, no, just, yeah. uh, well, again, I mean, just a huge shout out to you guys for you know giving us this this opportunity on you know it's not often we get a platform like this to promote small tournaments so it's it's very appreciated well we always like to be on the forefront to know what's coming up next to you know be able to showcase these events too yeah we get the exclusive i mean uh first of all i know gmac and nicoletta incredible people just incredible humans as you Mm -hmm. were just talking about you you mentioned international uh, you know i think of international play and travel uh, I, I think of these the area of BC, which I've heard so much about in terms of the golf scene, but just the natural beauty. And then you talk about ten to fifteen thousand dollars added cash. I don't like. There's there's no reason this shouldn't be highlighted. So uh, yeah. we're and, we're super stoked to know, have you. Carrie alluded to it too. Um, Wells Gray Provincial Park. It's it's a world class destination. Our town of twenty five hundred sees. A hundred thousand visitors a year to our park. Damn. Um, Clearly, yeah. yeah. Look it up. Helmican <laughs> Falls. You know, it's it's David Attenborough fans. It's like it's all over. You know, it's all over. We have some pretty spectacular waterfalls. Damn it! You make me want to go buy tickets. Okay, Dennis. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. Hey, we're here uh, again. We thank are, you guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, we are Our honored pleasure. to uh, to hear more about it. Hopefully, this inspires a few people. We can uh, we can even cut up the interview so that you can go out there and make sure you share it with everyone. So if they do have questions, uh, you know, we've gone I think over it in pretty good detail. It sounds like you guys are on the right track, and uh, I just can't say enough uh, about good luck to you and uh, looking forward to hearing the success story of it uh, as it unfolds. All right. Thanks again, guys. Appreciate All right. It. Have a good night, Dennis. Thanks a lot, Take care. Dennis. Thanks. You too. Good night. Yep. I don't know. I was just saying a few weeks ago, uh, or maybe maybe you, last week. Did you get week, to Canada? Yeah, that. And you, uh, specifically. Have you been to Canada? Not in any like real capacity. I don't count Niagara Falls when I was a kid. I think sure. I went to that side briefly, but I don't count that really. No. Uh, and I'm embarrassed. I'm genuinely shocked. You're so close. Exactly. I'm shocked and embarrassed. And disappointed in myself that I have not had more connection with the Canadian disc golf scene. And uh, you and I used to travel quite mm-hmm. frequently over to the Ann Arbor, Detroitish area, over to other places in Michigan. Obviously, we'd see a lot of Canadians uh, come down and play uh, a lot in Michigan. And uh, just we just never really, again, big international travel wasn't didn't become as much of a thing. <laughs> Until the uh, last few years, either as disc golf's grown, but yeah, it sounds truly incredible. So to Dennis, uh, G Mac, Nicoletta, of course, we wish you guys all the best of luck, and uh, looking forward to hearing uh, as a result. They already have two hundred essentially people there, so they're looking at two thirds ish full already. Yeah. So yeah, he said about ninety more. Yeah, it'll be exciting to see them push over the line uh, to get all the way out. Oh, with that much added cash, I can't imagine it's gonna be that. Typical. I know. How is this not sold out? Is really the only question I had. Because like with that much added cash, as you and I said, if you know about the added cash, you're not telling anybody That's else. True. That's true. You oh, just keep that as your little yeah. Secret. Let's get ninety more people here to compete against me. No, <laughs> yeah, it's the TD that wants more people, not the competitors. That's a good call. That's a good call. So thank you so much to Dennis. All right. Well, real quick. Uh, so thank you on that end. And uh, we're going to jump back because that was all kind of 
we kept kept on rolling. Let's jump back. Uh, European Open, you touched on the top 10 on the men's side. Congrats to all the competitors. Obviously, another big one of the other big storylines from the MPO side was just the fact that uh, in the middle of the fourth round, close to the end, four holes left, Paul McBeth withdraws from the event, um, technically a DNF on that round, but PDGA rule states that the lowest position he can take is the cut line, which is 75th place. So Paul McBeth technically took 75th place at this European Open, uh, was talking of a shoulder injury. You could see him on Anthony Barella's bag moments later, mm. carrying Anthony's bag, but really not moving his right arm. Um, it was pretty well noted. It, even when he congratulated Corey at the very end, it was a one-armed kind of hug. Congratulations. What I, I actually, I somebody gave me the scoop oh. that the night before, it was Saturday night before the final round. Arm wrestling? No, there was a bags game. Or they're actually... Uh, <laughs> Oh, they'll kill me for this. Uh, Milke? There, there's some other very unique game that gets played over there. They were playing. Corey had an incredible shot. He high-fived Macbeth just like he did oh. Molly. effed up Macbeth's shoulder. Clearly, that was intentional to uh, to make sure to that he could him. make no run, deep <laughs> run. I mean, from where Paul was. Uh, <laughs> all right, all right. No, well, Paul you, actually you take said, that conspiracy somewhere. Somebody can. Paul actually said that he was actually practicing some specific shots uh the day after the third round Mm. and for whatever reason he tweaked his shoulder said it's not serious but understandably doesn't want to make it serious so he withdrew um which honestly makes a lot of sense he's been playing a lot of golf like six or seven straight weekends of golf over in europe and of you know if you're not if you're paul mcbath you're not in contention to win you're barely in contention to be even be talked about honestly with where you are at and you feel even the slightest issue with your body he's got nothing to prove just he he withdraws i think honestly if he was in the top 10 he might have fought through it but being in the position he was it makes sense just to say hey live to fight another day let's uh let's move on and not and not uh do any permanent damage. Um, so hopefully just a little rest and uh, stretching and rehab. will get him back on track. He can come out to, which will probably be D will be his next event. I imagine a big disc craft or possibly Ledgestone. In, Le- I'm in sorry. Ledgestone. Days? Yeah. Yes. Finish, sorry. Please. Ledgestone. Uh, Ledgestone will be his next big event. Uh, a big disc craft event. Um, so we'll see. Hopefully he's fine and we're not, worrying anything about it um it, i'm gonna say this excuse my ignorance for a moment and yep. as i, I always I didn't do bother go, going out to look it up when we see cut lines i thought there was always a cut to the cash oh yeah is this different because it's a european event it shouldn't be i last time i checked they have to follow pdga rules too well not all of our majors do i understand that <laughs> I don't understand. I don't know why the cut line was at 75 versus 45, which about is where the cut or where the cash was. Um, I, I'm going to do my own it, research it on the air. Ju- Reduction of field size is the first thing that comes up. Go on. Correct. Uh, my guess, and this is just a guess, is that an exception was made by the PDGA. It probably had to be because this is a European event. 
because these players fly over to play the beast as many times as they can, they want to give as many of as many of them as they can a chance at four rounds. If I had to take a guess, that is the thought process behind it. Otherwise, it makes no sense why you cut at 75 uh, when you could cut at 45, clearing up the course, making it making everybody's day a little bit smoother. Not that there were not that it wasn't smooth. There really weren't backups, so to speak. Um, with even 75 competitors FPO, I think got cut to 16, which is, you know, four groups, even though I think they only cashed out of 10, probably. Yeah. Something 13 ish of them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well here, let me read, let me read and I'm going to, I'll put it in the, in the current chat, um, for the two seconds of Googling I did. I'm sorry. The, there was 16 total competitors. It was cut down to 12, 17. Yeah. Cut down to 12. Like, okay. Uh, under PDJ rules 1.08, uh, under competition manual for disc golf events. This is so. This is under the manual, the competition manual, not specifically the rules, but this is where it would be, and it's under reduction of field size. Parentheses cuts. Uh, it says the field size may be reduced to a semis or a finals at the discretion of the tournament director, provided it's announced prior to the registration. No, no questions there. Yep, of course. Um, B, unless otherwise announced in advance, the tournament director, all ties for a semifinal or final cut will be broken by use of a tiebreaker. It doesn't, and it has a C 1.09 okay. as far as what okay. probably the qualifies as a tiebreaker. Okay. Uh, C, point C, making the cut line at or above the payout line is required so that all payout positions who make the cut get paid. If additional players below the payout line made the cut due to ties, only those players remaining at least tied for a payout position would get paid. The only exception is when the PDJ mid-event suspension and cancellation policy is invoked. So that's kind of a different story, not applying to this, not applicable. Uh, any, any player who chooses not to participate in a semifinal or final shall receive the ranking and cash or prizes equal to the finishing last in the remaining field. Hence, that's why you see a Macbeth go to 75th place as opposed to whatever. Um, I'm, I'm somewhere there's an exception. There's no way that's just like flies and nobody else catches this because I'm only this smart. So somewhere there's an exception. Maybe there's a disc golf pro tour. Well, they don't really run the major. They're doing the live. So it would be UC's team that would have to answer this question. Who's our, whoever our tournament director on file is on uh, record. And to be clear, FPO did cut to 17. They were a field of 26. Oh, it, it paid to, tw- it paid to 12, I believe is what I was told. Either way, I just at face value, because I did zero research and I'm admitting as much, I have no idea why it was not cut to the cut line. I don't like it. Either do I, if, especially if it's black and white in the rules and it's what we've been doing at every other event. Correct. I and, mean, and if, if it is, somebody again, help me. Cause I'm going to get it, all worked up about it, this and don't get worked up about it. If it is due to the fact that, you know, the thought process is we have a lot of 40 some players, as Corey said, us players traveled overseas to give them as much opportunity to play the beast as possible. I don't, I don't cool. like that as a cool. be in the top 40%. Agreed. I don't like that as a general idea. I think it should be, as it said, make the cut, get paid. If you don't make the cut, go play somewhere else on Sunday. <laughs> um, or go be a spectator. Go sign discs. 
you know, hang out with a bunch of Finnish people and have have a blast of a time. I I just get to the black party earlier. Get to get on the boat to Estonia. Do whatever. Yeah, but <laughs> but I don't like that this event is, is changed uh, for this for, for whatever reason it would be. It just uh, there doesn't seem to be a good reason to do it other than to allow people more opportunity to play. So uh, and I, I I don't know. It's not like we need it for media. It's not like we need it for anything else. Well, I was just going to say. I bet you if I dig around on the website, which I should have done earlier. Uh, I'm going to assume it's listed there because it it certainly should not be news when you show up. I'm going to assume somewhere it might. It's probably listed as to that where the cut was made, but probably not the reason why. No, but uh, just the fact that it should have been listed ahead of time to say, hey, we're cutting to 50. So anyways, is the the number 50 percent? Is that roughly uh, the math there? Terry, I don't know. I don't know anything. And, and Bob Goyke, that and that's exactly why I, I prefaced it when I first started this conversation, Bob, and I appreciate 108 it. players, they cut to 75. So they cut a, basically a quarter of the field. And Bob says, portions of the competition manual are not applicable outside of the U.S., and I couldn't agree more. I That's, that's mm-hmm. kind of why I preface saying, is it because it's in Europe? I know payout tables are different. I know there's a lot of rules that I, I do understand all of that. I'm not ignorant to all of that. So, yes, I agree with you, Bob, and, and thank you for reiterating that. And maybe that's exactly the case, and maybe it's right there on the website. It, I still it, don't know if I, yeah, like it. I don't like it personally, but if that's, you know, a, a quote-unquote a, I'll say a tradition, but a standard would be a better term to use for European golf is to cut a different position, well, so be it. I just, you know, again, I would hate, to, I guess you don't have to play, but as I say, I believe I saw a stat that there were eight or nine players who were not in the cash who then jumped into the cash. And which means there were eight or nine players who were in the cash and dropped out of the cash. Uh, rough goings, rough goings. Yeah. But. All right, let's talk about FPO real quick. There's not a lot. I don't know what more we can say. Uh, Kristen Tatar. Who? Kristen Tatar, Terry. She's uh, she, she an up and the Estonian eraser. Mo, you're <laughs> know, listening. Mo, you're listening. I I can't. I I still can't get on board. I, I said with I can't. It. Uh, it was also the uh, the buckwheat basher. Apparently, Tatar or is it Kristen or is it Tatar? I think it's Tatar in Estonian means buckwheat, which is a type of obviously I think. Uh, wheat, I'm assuming like a like a stock, and so they were trying to come up with buckwheat batch. No, I no. I agree. I'm not with that one either. Stop. Um, there is you know the Tartarminator didn't like that one either. I don't, my, not all my, my my nicknames listen, are bangers listen, either. But all I'm saying, you know, you keep trying. Something might stick, or just call her KT. You know the, the initials. Sure. But anyway, Kristen Tatar walks through the field there. By the end of the second round, there was no competition for her. That's just hands down. It was a competition for second, third, and fourth, and fifth. Um, she is the most dominant player in, the, in our sport. She's the most dominant player in her division. Um, the, I, I, I don't know. Again, I don't know what more there is to say about Tatar. She is playing at a level that is rarely seen. We saw Paige Pierce get to this level. A couple of years ago, um, she was not able to maintain it. Clearly, it's very difficult to maintain that high level of play. 
Um, and Kristen Tatar is right there. She's at like 994 rated. And I believe she averaged 990 some golf. 1,000 on the dot. 1,000 on the dot. Okay. <laughs> on the dot. So, which... It was 1018 through the first two rounds. And then she... And then it's must have been be, 982 after that. As I said, it's got to be tough not to... She's a, a, a professional by all aspects of the game. She was upset on, I believe it was her third or fourth round that she... Yeah, it was her fourth round where she bogeyed hole 18. She was upset about it. Like, she, as she said, she's like, that shouldn't happen. She She just played below her expectation, which is why she is where she's at. Um, and the way the, the way the, the field looks, I don't know who's going to compete with her. I think I don't say this very often, but I think we need Haley King. Haley King is right now with, with page being hurt is probably the only player in the field that has the full game to compete with Kristen Tatar right now. And Haley, and, and you know, for what it's worth, Haley seems to bring that once every couple events. So I, I, I mean, this could be a boring season for the FPO for the remainder of the season. If, if we don't see uh, someone step up to play. Uh, and interestingly enough, not far behind Kristen's rating is own Scoggins. Uh, you know, at 982, 984. Own obviously not there this particular week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Own seemingly having a, a, a much greater advantage on shorter, more technical courses, but yet has proven otherwise in other places too, though. I she, mean, yes, I, I, I will say winning, that winning Scoggins. the match play, you know, and doing some of the other things that she's done. Um, yeah, it's it, it, it has been wild uh, for sure. And we see Kristen doing what she did this weekend. She seems largely unstoppable. And then she's had a few events where she flat out didn't win or didn't dominate, wasn't on top of her A game. And she uh, took second or third. And she, yeah. And so <laughs> and that's kind of my point is when she's off, it feels like it's it's uh, second or third right now. So generally speaking. So, yeah, I, I don't know if there's much more that can be said. I like I like the clip that I saw in her talking to Zoe and Zoe talking about a career grand slam and getting there and doing all these things and margin of victory and so on and so forth all the accolades and records really. And hence just for a little backstory, our producer Mo likes to call Kristen, the Estonian eraser because she's erasing a lot of these previous records yeah. and, and resetting them, whether it's over Val Jenkins or page or whomever, that's where the Estonian eraser because alliteration rules. Yep. And so that's where that comes from. And uh, Kristen flat out said, "Like, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I really care. I don't care about records. Thanks, thanks. She, I love how she said it too. She's like, well, thanks for doing all that research, or thanks for letting <laughs> me know all that. Because, quite frankly, she doesn't need to care. And quite, and we all know if Kristen shot ten twenty golf for the weekend and won by twenty, or shot a uh, thousand and five golf and won the weekend by twenty, like she, some, some of those." intricate details and stats just don't matter. The The win category matters for her and it's impressive. So Heidi, Heidi Laine, uh finishes in second. Katrina Allen ties Missy Gannon in third. Sarah Holcomb uh, takes fifth place. Anale. I didn't, I didn't, I got to go back and listen. Anale takes six along mm-hmm. with Ella Hansen and Anakin Sten. Jessica Weiss and Katie uh, uh, Asal, uh, 
also Lou, sorry, uh, along with Hannah Blumros. And uh, I feel like Hannah, yeah, really did struggle. It was that final round. She was right. Did, did she, she not start the day in second? Or it was third? like second or third. Card. She was on the lead card and just really had. Yeah, she struggled mightily. So, and then Evelina Salonen right behind her. So um, not a huge representation for U.S. women. Uh, of course, Kat, Gannon, Hokum, Hansen, Weiss. That's most of them. Holy cow. Yeah, that was most of them. And and everything we just heard Corey talk about a little while ago saying it's incredibly expensive. Obviously, the prize money isn't quite as deep and uh, and overall as much there on the FPO side. Uh, you you look at Sarah Hokum and I and I'll I'm only picking on her cuz she's the last person to win four digit money, 1500. That again. Paid your plane maybe, ticket. Maybe was in fact uh, paid for by MVP or another sponsor, but yeah, fifteen hundred is probably almost exactly what her plane ticket was. It's with give or take a few hundred dollars. So it, it, you're there for an experience. You're there to win a major. There's so many things that can obviously outweigh just the dollars and cents of it, but the dollars and cents of it are still a conversation within our sport, mm-hmm. especially on that FPO side. So. Yeah, you're probably making less as an FPO player. And, I mean, just in general, as far as disc sales and sponsorship and whatnot. And then on top of that, they you're spending more to get over there where you're going to win less in prize money, too. It's it's a it's a tough it's a tough call for the FPO players. Uh, Janix on the board said, quote, it's not my goal to break records. <laughs> yes, if if that was the exact quote, that sounds right. Because uh, yeah, what do the records matter outside of the win loss categories uh, I, at this point for at her? At this point now, I'm I'm really rooting for her to get. She's got the career Grand Slam. I'm really rooting for the season Grand Slam because the last time we saw that in any division was Paul McBath. He was able to do that. FPO, I believe the last time it happened was uh, was JK back in like the late '90s or early 2000s. But there was like two majors sure. that that year for for FPO. So that. Well, it does count. Not taking anything away from JK, it uh, you can only win what you're offered. It it feels so much uh, beefier when it's a full yeah. four majors, and yeah. it it really hits that true grand slam, so to speak. You're hitting all four bases. Yeah. So, uh, congratulations, of course, yet again to Kristen, and uh, we'll be excited to see what uh, what's in store for her next. When she's going to be playing here. Uh, you know, what this means for her and her career. And then you do look ahead to thinking about that yearly or annual yearly, whatever grand slam uh, possibility. And obviously you're going to think of her as a front runner in that sense. So, yeah, I'm just right now looking at Kristen Tatar. She is currently scheduled uh, to play the, the next time it looks like she's going to come into town will be for worlds. Wow, she's so gonna, not she, not at D Glow and not nope. at uh, Ledgestone, and it it appears that this was probably established beforehand. Uh, spend a little time back at home. She doesn't need the points to get into the Tour Championship. She's locked herself into that first place position pretty handily. <laughs> uh, yes, the highest uh, margin, and yeah, mm-hmm. I was reading some stats there. Highest margin of separation between her and another player, and, uh, and points are different now. Blah blah blah. It's whatever. Yeah, but, but still, I, but yes, she's Correct. she's dominant. Yeah, Just dominant. Uh, and, and maybe also even of note is the next sanctioned tournament that's listed is a full three weeks away, and that's the European Disc Golf Championship that's taking place in Estonia. And uh, 
rightfully so, we, we're going to see her competing there. I mean, understandably so. I, I see her skipping the two four-day events that are at D-Glow and that are, are at Ledgestone. Well, and she's not playing, uh, what, Al Salu this weekend? Yeah. Over in Europe? She's yeah. skipping, she's skipping we'll say, local European events. Eh. I, I, I agree. I'm just saying those are relatively big-sized events that if she cared about you know, winning, I, she could go <laughs> and just have to show up. Yeah, she kind of just have to show up. No, uh, yeah. So we'll see her over there in Estonia uh, in uh, the middle of August and then uh, a few weeks later for the world championship. So, all right. Uh, is that everything on the MPO side, MPO, FPO side? Uh, just a quick stat, call it a timestamp. Uh, here we are at July 25th, 2023. Looking at Kristen's yet another stat, uh, shows 153 career events, uh, 87 of them being wins. Also seeing uh, 208,000 is her career earnings. We know she won over 100,000 last year. Right now, another stat that I saw, she's leading all money earners in all divisions right now as well. I By handedly, I think Stat Mando put something out earlier uh, it may have been Stat Mando or someone else today, but currently at $63,740, winning more than any, obviously any other FPO, but any other MPO player as well. Well, the MPO, as Corey said, is very distributed these days. I, so exactly. You, you know, but, you're not... Yeah, I'd still... Tatar's, Tatar's pulling in a 5K <laughs> check every time she plays, practically. Uh, it, it's awesome. Corey, won, you know, won 10,000. I, I don't know the... I, I saw the thirteen thousand in whatever local euro euro that it was so I, I think it was uh nine and change or ten nine, and, nine change. and change okay somebody can but do that th- those are coming few and far between for the mpo you're not getting those oh uh, according um, to the pdga site right now it says twelve thousand six fifty. good is what it says uh, know, in u.s dollar. that good exchange rate maybe i don't know <laughs> uh, one of the things i do want to talk about and there's obviously a lot of important news that came out specifically today that i think we can address in our after show we'll save that for the after show but I want to talk a little bit more about the European Open and the MPO side and some of the players that we saw on that top card. We obviously saw the, the three I'm thinking of are Corey, AB, and Calvin. And the reputations that each of them had going into this event. Calvin being a, a arguably the number one player in the world. You know, you could argue maybe it's Gannon, but it seemingly was Calvin um, AB and Corey all kind of had a reputation going into this event as people who tend to choke at the biggest events under the biggest spotlight. Do you think this, I mean, I think this possibly erases that for Corey, but do you feel like it's changed anything for Calvin or AB? Do you think, Calvin came out that fourth round and didn't look like Calvin. He played awful. He he was missing lines off the tee. His putting was just atrocious. He didn't really kick it in until it didn't matter anymore. Like it, he got to the back nine and suddenly it felt like, oh, I can't win this. Suddenly, oh, cool. My putt's back. My drive is back. I'm going to start. I'm going to do my whole Calvin thing where I play poorly and then squeak into the into the uh, the podium and get get yourself a tie for third or something, which is I think second or third is what he did. I, I feel like Kelvin has now this reputation 
and he's kind of had it for a little bit, and maybe it's starting to weigh on him for these majors, not getting this big one. Yeah, I mean, you have to feel like as stoic and as seemingly non-expressive as he is, you know that at now at a certain point, maybe not as much earlier, maybe not even a couple years ago when he was finding some early success, but now that the time has gone on, now that he's proven he's you know essentially been the best player in the world, he's been ranked depending on whatever disc golf rankings rankings dot com <laughs> exactly whatever ranking you want to use if if he's not the best he's one of the top two or three consistently now for the last uh, couple of years it has to be somehow weighing on him and and I've said this before just like other I've said about other players we don't need we don't need to remind him he clearly mm-hmm. knows in the back of his head that that's a a hurdle or a monkey he has to get off of his back the uh, I obviously can't point any fingers to it whatsoever as to what it would be, but just you, you called it like almost out of body, not Calvin, like just so flat. So nothing during that final round, yeah, which I did not get a chance to see all of myself, but the scorecard says enough for me, you know, to see him even through 12. And I compare that to almost every other player. That's five, six, eight, ten. Because everyone knows 12. the front nine He's is even. where you need to get your birdies because yeah. the back nine, you're not guaranteed them. Now, a lot of these guys are getting them on the back nine, but there's also so much more danger on the back nine. If you're not getting them in the front nine, you're setting yourself behind and you're putting even that much more pressure because he went into that round up by two strokes. And yeah. it, it's got to be difficult. And I don't, I don't envy his position because the more often this happens, the heavier the weight, the heavier gets. the weight gets, yeah. and I really do want to see Calvin break through and get that major, and I think he will. But but man, that's got to be tough. And then I look at AB, who seem seemingly not necessarily at the majors, but has had an issue with when the spotlight is brightest. He he's folded. Whether now in the past, I feel like it's really been his putt. Like suddenly his putt mm-hmm. had left him. I don't think I'll I'll go to Matt. I'll go to the Matt for AB here. I don't consider this a choke job for AB. Like he played really, really well for 15 holes. And when he hit that 16th hole, he just missed. I, I don't think that that's not a choke. That's a, that's a bad decision in my part and my idea of, you know, if he's out of position, he clearly had the, the line to go for it. He had the power to go for it. He juiced every one of those shots. He went deep every one of those shots. Yeah, so it wasn't from being tentative. Correct. He, Maybe he, the it's, opposite. It's just, he. my guess is he hadn't played from that position. He probably didn't know the exact power to throw it. He's got a little bit of uh, 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 enthusiasm running through his body right now, thinking that, hey, this is mine. I have this. All I need to do is hit this island. And he just kept going deep. So I, I have a hard time putting this particular event under the category of you know, choking it away. That's interesting because he just, he really just screwed up that 16th hole. He was under control. He was, he was dropping in 50 foot, 60 foot putts. He was on fire for 15 holes and Corey was keeping up with him. And then he just, that 16th hole it's done. And at that point he squished. I understand the 17th hole. He throws out of bounds, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. He can't win at that point. I don't think this is, I don't categorize this as a choke. So that's an interesting philosophy that you don't Um, like Kelvin. Sadly, I do like it just because he played a a a bunch of holes bad. He played abysmal holes. It just didn't look good. Threw him away on a, on a very difficult Island green. Yeah. And he went long. 
Would you feel any differently had no. he come up short? No, no, no. I, I, I wouldn't feel any differently. Just that particular hole. I, that's a lot. That's a huge pressure shot, as we talked about with Corey. I just don't think that's a choke job. I just think that's a bad decision and repeated bad decisions. He, that's not a. That's not a choke. Me. He didn't do anything to me. Like had he taken that disc and thrown it ninety degrees right, ninety degrees left, I would look at me like, yeah, he choked that shot away. He just missed an island. Literally, he was on line. He hit the island, rolled out. He hit the he hit the gravel. He threw it into the crowd. He threw like he just couldn't find the the spot. And I I, I don't know, man. That's just mm. I, I know it's a fine distinction to make because there is right now a I don't say a legacy, but there is a tag that we're putting on some of these players, whether it's us in the media or social or social media or whomever or the broadcast. Because you know that the next time AB gets close to a win, Moe's got that on hand. He will drop that footage yeah. in a heartbeat on AB, as he should. He did it to Corey. Corey got he, we got to see the screw up after Corey's. I think it was after hole sixteen. We showed that said, "Hey, look, this is where we're at with Corey." Yeah. So, mm, I don't know. It's 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 really tough to to look at these players because. I like all these guys. Yeah, I, I wanted no, Corey. I mean, there's I want- there's a there's a compassionate <laughs> side and a human compassionate side to all of this, and then there's the I don't want to just say calling a spade a spade, but I mm-hmm. I, I guess it would be interesting if if Corey goes ahead and misses the island four times, are we then having a conversation about both of them choking? Or neither of them choking. Like it just, I, I yeah, get it. It's, it's all, it's all, you know, contextual here. But I, I don't know. I, I clearly, I, I love AB. Uh, choke does feel like such a harsh word to use, but you, you gotta stick the island. You do like that. We, you know, it's looming. There was nothing wild or crazy about it. There was no extenuating circumstances. You either lay up and then try and get on, or you stick it from where you are. And and he just kept not doing it. And again, you're right, not by much. It's not like he was throwing him 300, 200 feet past it. But I mean, that's that's all part of whole sixteen looming, just like it's always part of seventeen looming at USDGC. It's just all too similar. And and then you go back and say, did anyone that did Johnny McRae when he missed the island those three or four times at USDGC, did he choke that, or is it just? It's, he didn't hit the island. I mean, it's tough because you you look at the similar scenario of Corey. He, Corey has a reputation for choking it, but again, he those other times that Corey missed, Deglo, a millimeter, mm-hmm. he was out of bounds. Hole eighteen at an MVP, he did the same thing. AB did. He juiced it on an island, and that was just enough. So, I mean, I understand that what I'm saying could be viewed as, uh, uh hypocritical maybe but looking at both of those scenarios because Corey had a reputation for choking because he he messed up those two particular shots versus a b doing it here which is why i said i i don't it's, i don't consider it like mm. it it's bad decision for a b i think it was a bad decision uh being out of position probably not having practiced from there but it was what a, a two hundred a 280 to a 300 foot uh, three, a little probably over 300 and it's funny because i was that was yeah. a question that almost got out mm-hmm. that i was going to ask Corey is because Corey said he ranged his at 280 mm-hmm. which to me puts ab probably at 320 okay you know b- behind him maybe not even 320 maybe three 315 
somewhere in that neighborhood. If I had to guess clearly like AB can throw that with a forehand that distance with his eyes closed. I mean, that's, that's, you know, so I, I understand the whole out of position conversation, but I don't because I think he pitches up 50 feet. So instead of uh, a a three fifteen, he's got a two sixty five. You still just got to hit the island, Mm -hmm. right? Like that's the one thing that's so daunting about hole sixteen, where where I have a lot of empathy for our players is it's still a small green, and whether it's two sixty five or three fifteen, it's still a challenge to get it on there. It's it's not it's not like a close your eyes, you're gonna hit it, you know, Mm -hmm. nine out of ten times because it's just the easiest shot in the world pressure or not you still got to get it on there i think honestly he and again it's easy saying this when we're sitting in these chairs he just if if he decides to lay that up i look at that and say all right he has he has his emotions under check i think he makes that island i I, it's you can't you can't know he could very well walk up to that island he could have missed from a layup four times uh, correct 100 percent. he could have and the the funny part is I think I would be more considered. I would look at him more as choking that away if he had laid it up and missed because he's he missing routine shots. Huh? Like right. if you miss to me when you start missing routine shots, that is your body re- re- reacting, seizing up. seizing up and reacting. Watching Kelvin throw those first eight nine holes, those are routine shots for him. Watching sure. him hole one yank it to the right, watching him miss easy putts. To me, that's that that feels like something your body shouldn't do. AB missing a 320 foot forehand slightly out of position to a tiny island. That could happen at any particular point in my, in my idea. So anyway, that was just kind of something I wanted to touch on as far as the uh, what your take was for the players and the European Open. I think we're, you know, we're. We're going to see them all again next year. I see you looking at the Brixton stuff. I, 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 I literally are shipping. Yeah, apparently they are. I was I literally notes. just flipping through the Facebooks and uh, Brixton disc golf. It uh, looks like they have been shipping out some of the cards. Oh, someone got my signature up there. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. Who is that? That is the uh, Ryan O'Neill. Oh, Ryan. Congratulations. Says, got the, the first card. box. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. You got a Johnny V. Uh, it says the first box of golden era has been opened. So, uh, congratulations, uh, as I'm what? seeing a few of those, I'm, I'm going to get a few, I'm getting a few boxes, I think two boxes as well as three individual cards from what they offered before we could kind of buy. I think I've got on the own Scoggins card coming, maybe a Calvin and someone else. Um, I don't know if I bought any as silly as this is all about to sound. I, I, I don't know if I bought any Brixton cards. I did. And Mike that, so that leads me to the next question is. Do I open the boxes? Mm. I tend to be the kind of type of person that just let them sit. Like, cool, I'm going to let these boxes sit. But with the with the really cool cards that are in there, I mean that that's that's the that's the thing, right? I I could be getting some really you exclusive could get, cards. You could have nothing but the, me I could get in there. the Iron Leaf card, which is what the one everybody wants. Yeah, well, it's funny because I just saw somebody make a post about it, and then uh, I saw one of the uh, autograph cards that I had, and and that particular person. God bless them. Said I'd rather have the Terry Miller card than the Aww. Iron Leaf card. Oh, um, they're lying. But I agree. <laughs> <laughs> they should be. Uh, uh, I, yeah. Anyway, uh, I, I know nothing more about the the status of those other than just uh, two seconds on Facebook. I saw a post or two uh, about some of these being opened up. So, 
Uh, all right. I think that's that's good for a regular show. It's gone quite long. We had two uh, incredible guests, of course, with both Corey and Dennis joining us. And uh, I think we could wrap stuff up uh, for here for our regular show. And then from there, we could get into the after show. I think we've got a giveaway or two uh, that we can make happen. One, but okay. Okay. Well, at least one. We're giving away a disc member box tonight. Um, if you want. Or we give away something yeah, else. That that's fine with me. I don't I don't care. I got we got stuff to give away, plenty of it, and I'm happy to do so. What a wild ride. Congrats to, you know, not only the European Open, but just all of the fans, the competitors, the travelers, people that kept all of their luggage, people that didn't lose too many discs in another country. I mean, there's a lot of little takeaways. The staff at the, European the, Open. The staff, the crew. Uh, all of the media people that are adjusting their life and their schedule, traveling back and forth, uh, the adjustments that had to be made, um, it, it just uh, just dozens and dozens, if not hundreds of people, hands on deck in some capacity just for your entertainment, just for our entertainment, uh, and so that we could see our top disc golfers out there competing at the highest level uh, is is astonishing, truly, so. Uh, hats off to all of them and uh, congrats, especially if you happen to perform well. We're going to call it. This has been 464's regular show. We'll have an after show. As I just said, we're going to have the giveaway. Uh, we'll also talk about some other things, disc golf, non-disc golf related, a little bit of everything. If you want to be active within that conversation, certainly feel free to either jump on the Facebooks or on the YouTube chat. That's even easier. And uh, we'll take a look and see what you're bringing at us. And we can hopefully answer some questions or Talk more from there. For Dennis up there in the BC, along with our champion, our major champion, first time major champion, that is Corey Ellis over at the European Open. Congratulations to him and all of his supporters and fans and friends and family yet again. For Johnny V, I'm Terry Miller, the disc golf guy. That's 464. We'll see you in just a few minutes when you step inside the Smashbox. Thank you to our $2 and above patrons. Your name is listed below in the credits. If you are interested in being listed as a producer in the Smashbox TV credits and supporting this and other fine podcasts, please visit patreon.com slash smashbox TV. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.